is symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Welcome to episode 13 of the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett coming to you from Buffalo, New York. It is the first week of June 2021, halfway through 2021 already. And with me tonight, as always, we call it Sopranos Town, USA. Later, he's going to remind us that it's really Soccer Town, USA. Uh-huh. Uh, but for tonight, we'll stick with Sopranos. Welcome, my partner hollywood dave rollins what's up buddy hey mr si steve bennett how are you doing how's everything going for yourself doing really good uh the great paula bennett will be with us later we will have her in our last segment she has some emails to read and she's going to make some matches for you as well uh great mania great show today we are going to uh talk about the survivor series and you say why in the world are these idiots covering a November show like the Survivor Series in June? And the answer is, we just felt like it. Yeah. We, we just wanted to do this show for whatever reason. Ever here at Christmas in July? Yeah, so you know? we're doing it in June. And uh, that's what we're going to do later, of course. But first, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, Dave. A few episodes ago, 
we talked about all the lapsed fan content that was coming to the television. We had the new season of Dark Side of the Ring, the A&E biographies, uh, the new show on A&E as well about the um, memorabilia. And I just wanted to see what you've watched and what you've liked so far. Because I'm kind of all over the place on it. For example, on the biographies, I haven't seen Sean's yet. I didn't watch Booker's. I hated Macho Man's. And I pretty much liked everything else. Uh, let's start with biographies. What are your thoughts? What have you watched? What have you didn't? What did you like? What, did, what didn't you like? And by the way, with that said, Brett's is next. And that's the one I've been looking forward to the most. Yeah. All right. Well, I've seen them all with the, the biography so far. You know, you know, we already know my opinion on the, the Savage one and how, how much. I, that's like that the one did. thing we've talked about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, Austin and Piper one, both I loved. Then we're starting to get into Booker T, who, who I am a fan of. I didn't think anything special of the biography. It wasn't bad. It's something, okay, I'll watch it because I have, you know what I mean? There's nothing else. If it's, it's ready for, you know, in the rotation of my shows, sure, I'll watch it. And it was okay. Same with Shawn Michaels. I'm not really a Shawn Michaels fan, but there wasn't really anything in it that made me hate him even more. I'm starting to kind of lighten up on him until we do the SummerSlam 05 card here on a 24-inch podcast, and that that might change. But my old age, I'm lighting up on HBK a little bit. I enjoyed it. You know, I grew up with the guy and everything like that. And then um, we got on to the Ultimate Warrior, brother. I'm sure you didn't see that one? Oh, I did see The Warrior. Yeah, I didn't. Really? I, I, I forgot about that. I did see it. Uh, I liked some of it. I thought there was a lot of revisionist history there. Um, I think the wife is trying to change the narrative of who he was to protect his legacy instead of just sure. saying this is who he was and this is what he believed. These were his values. This is what he yeah, stood I mean, for. It, and if you don't like it, that I mean, that's just who he was. But I think she and, is so protective of him and she doesn't want to say anything that in a 2021 lens would be scrutinized or that's what it is. Canceled or whatever. You know, I like mean, he's not her blaming not gonna... it, blaming his views on Rush Limbaugh. I mean, that's ludicrous. Yeah. I'm not going to get involved with views and all that shit, but he wasn't. Yeah, I'm not a Warrior fan. You know, what I mean, no diehard Hogan fan is really going to be Ultimate Warrior fan. But again, like Michaels, over time with age, I'm starting to appreciate him a little more. Uh, you know, he never said he worst harm on anybody. He never said anything like that. You know, things, things words can be ter- can be turned around. Maybe you know, maybe his views aren't really refreshing in 2021. Sure, but you know, that wasn't 2021. And uh, you know, people just love to pull stuff out from the past nowadays and throw us down and say, this is why we have to hate this guy now. This is why we have to hate that guy now. I'm just not all about that, no, no matter who it is. It, it's just not my thing. I mean, I know a lot of people love it nowadays to do that kind of thing. It's happening with Vince Neil from Motley Crue. All of a sudden, he can't sing. He never was a singer like that. He always skipped words. He was always kind of fat after 2000, whatever. He probably should have it's mixed just, in some rehearsals so he didn't have to run yeah, off that, the stage. Yeah, that's the only thing. That's the only <laughs> thing. But I mean, oh, but the the shot, guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> but at least it was the encore. But the way they act, everybody wants to comment the negative, the negative, the negative. Just everything. Like, oh yep. my god, no, man! You're right. It's just, it's just, it's just overwhelming. It makes you want to stick up for the the accused person. Nowadays, that's the that's the way I roll. I always try to be a little you know, be a little different. If the warrior said I wish death on this person or that person or that person's not allowed in my presence, yeah, fuck that. I, then I would agree with him. But that's not what what he said. 
And um, yeah, I guess the WWE one covered it up a, a bit. I thought the A&E one was really going to rip into them because of those two jabronis that run the show, even though the show's great. Yeah, well, not well, hold on. We'll get to that one guys. in a second. We'll get yeah. to that in a second. Uh, did, was was there anything else about the biographies? You mentioned Warrior. I forgot that one. I did see it. Foley's I thought was okay. I haven't seen the first 20 minutes. I turned it on. It was 820, and I, I haven't gone back to watch the first 20 minutes yet, but I did enjoy it. I thought it was interesting about that one that they showed every kind of crazy bump he took until the rock chair shots, and then they showed still photos. Still shots. That was really because- odd to me. Because God forbid, brother, you don't want to, you know, the golden child, you don't want to make him look bad. The Rock. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I love really Mick odd. Foley. You know, he's someone with different views than me. But um, I love, it seems like one of the greatest guys in the world. And, spe- and speaking uh, of views, and we don't get into him that much, but shout out to a like-minded fan, uh, Mick Price. Uh, thanks for the note, Mick. Uh, we're with you. We feel you. Um, you know, it's, it's, I guess not a secret that Dave and I are not the most woke or liberal dudes in the wrestling independent podcast scene. And, uh, Mick picked up on that and, and, and just thanked us for being a little bit like-minded there. So shout out to Mick. So, and nothing against if you do feel that way and, no, this, and go this, that way, this shows for everyone, the show. this for shows everybody. for everyone. And for the most part, we're going to enjoy that and avoid and that gonna, and just talk wrestling. We're not going to talk about that stuff. Once Nobody these documentaries go away. What we think about that. Yeah. 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 It's just because, yeah, with the with this type of programming, it comes up. Um, I'm excited for the Brett one. Um, hopefully, it's a great finish. If they did a second season, give me two or three guys you'd love to see featured. Okay, and the A and E, of course. I mean, the first one comes to mind that hasn't had one yet. Of course, is the immortal Hulk Hogan. And the reason for that, I, I think, or at least my theory is, they already did one. Back in 1999, it's been yep. quite a while. But also, now that he's in good standings with WWE, them skipping, Hogan gets the Vince Neil heat. You know, every article is negative, everything. When that comes out, it'll be a million ne- negative articles, m- way, triple than the Warrior. Give me that two they more. skipped over this, skipped yep. over that. Okay, uh, well, let me think real, uh, top man, Ric Flair. He had the uh, HBO one. Yep, okay. But uh, Andre the Giant has had as the HBO only. So it'll be two new ones. If I had more time, I think I'd Jake the Snake. I think would be would make an interesting, an interesting show for sure. Okay, I was gonna. Um, I'll throw a couple. Out. I was gonna throw out the British Bulldogs. Um, okay, as a could, team could be an interesting one. You know, do Dynamite and Davy or one or the other. I guess. It, I, I'm gonna say one more for me. Then you go. Sure. Not yeah. that I want this one, but this is one they probably will do. So I'm gonna say the Goldberg. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I'm thinking more golden era guys, I guess. Um, maybe if they want to do like a deep cut, maybe someone like Harley race could be really interesting. Uh, I would absolutely love that. I don't see it happening. Unfortunately, well, no, of but, course, uh, this yeah. is my, these are my picks. So I don't oh, care. Just, your, just what you want. Yeah. I just said if okay. they were going to do a second season, who were some guys uh, okay. you would want featured? That's all. Hey. I thought it was what you would expect. No, you know? no, no, no. That's where Colbert came from. I don't want. Well, we I don't know want what we Goldberg. know what to yeah. expect. I mean, that's not that's not interesting. Of course, you could name the guys. You know that that probably do a rock one or maybe do a John Cena one or you know like that's obvious. Okay, then then we got to go into. Well, how about this one? This this is one I know it was your turn, but this is one that I want and they might do as well. It's not uh, the Iron Sheik. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The the Sheik documentary itself is great. Just a shout out to it. Dave's in it. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> I am. I sure am. You know how many still shots I've gotten that, gotten from that over the year? <laughs> yeah, and but... I 
fucking love it every time. Yeah, Keep them coming. Probably a ton. Uh, <laughs> the uh, other show, The Dark Side of the Ring, I have not seen any of them except the first one. This they're, season. Yep. They're just all backed up on the DVR. So I saw the two-part Pillman one. I enjoyed it. I really did. Uh, but I haven't seen any of the others yet. The The next two didn't really interest me, so it kind of threw me behind. And then I haven't seen Warrior yet. I haven't seen Jake is tonight, his family. I want to see that one. I really am waiting to see Dynamite. Uh, and hopefully when yeah. I watch that one, that'll like give me time. That'll like prompt me to catch up. I've watched the other seasons and I've enjoyed them. It's just it's a tough show because everything is dark side. You know, like everything is so heavy all the time. Depressing. Yeah. So I haven't. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't felt the, um, like being depressed yet. The Nick Gage one. I mean, beforehand, before it was on, I could almost say, oh, I don't want to watch this shit. What's this death match? It was really good. It's like it, it, it doesn't mean that I'm going to go to a, a, a wrestling death match now you know, live in person or anything. But it's almost like one of those things like a car crash. You don't want it to happen. But when it does, you're going to look at it. And watching this episode, and then David Arquette's involvement and how David Arquette ended up shooting on Nick Gage. And then Nick Gage's personal life with, with uh, the drugs, which is something I had went through personal, personally myself so I can relate to that. It was, uh, so far, that even I think it, it notches out Pillman for me as, as the best one. I was going into it not knowing anything about it. Still not a deathmatch wrestling fan. Right. But for an, for an hour TV show, I, I really enjoyed it. I'll check that out for sure. The other show is the Lost Treasures thing, and I've enjoyed that. It's hokey. Like, the negotiations are stupid. Obviously, they're not actually just negotiating right there. You know, that comes off as really fake. Um, yeah. But it's nice to see the warehouse a little bit. You know, see some of the stuff that they have. I like seeing the 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 rooms, the memorabilia rooms that the different collectors have across the country. I like to kind of just, like, look around the room and spot stuff that they're not really talking about. Um, and I thought that they've done a good job of mixing up who the guys are, you know, like they have a dream team episode, like, you know, to say like, they'd never do Harley race. Well, if I mentioned this show, would you ever think they do Greg Valentine and no, yeah, that one's search around the country, you know? So I thought it's been a good mix. I've enjoyed that show a lot more than I thought I would, you know? Um, Did you see the Jake one this, this week? I haven't seen that one yet. I've seen every other one. It was almost like loosely like a biography on Jake. He was throwing around a lot of bull. Like our guy, he Hogan throws does. around. Yeah, 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 I'll admit does. it. Hogan throws around the ball. I'll admit it. But Jake never gets called out for it like Hulk does. He does the same thing. But I uh, love both guys. You know, they're, they're, they're working professional wrestling gimmicks still. That's, that's the way they uh, grew in life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the Jake's one, it was interesting. I would take a look at that. All right, very last thing. And then we got to get on with this episode because I can't wait to read the news. Uh, the mayor of Easttown. Not at all wrestling related, but early in our relationship, a few months ago, months ago, our partnership, Dave and I, I said to him, hey, have you watched this show on HBO called The Undoing? It's with Hugh Grant and whatever. And he did. Why can't we remember her name? She's she's almost as famous as Hugh Grant. We can. I, I still can't remember. Yeah, I can picture Every, I, her redheaded yeah. actress. Once we hang up for the call, I know it. Right away. Only when we're on here, we can't remember it. Or yeah. I'm talking to you. I don't know why I can't remember her name. But anyway, uh, 
Dave watched it and loved it, and, and, and Tammy and I watched it, and we loved it, and we talked about it. And a few weeks ago, I had, uh, Nicole Kidman is who it is. Yeah, I, Nicole, yeah. Yeah, I started to think of, <laughs> I started to think of, um, or start hearing about this show called The Mayor of Easttown. And I, I said, Dave, have you seen this show yet? And he said, no. And he watched it. And then we both like watched the first one and reported back and both had the same thing. Like, wow. You know, and um, amazing. It was a seven episode limited series. So there was no intention to go on more. It was a, a seven episode story, basically a seven hour movie. Uh, it was so popular that they're actually considering maybe doing a second season of it. And uh, it stars Kate Winslet, who's amazing in it. Um, and it's just an unbelievable show. Uh, my wife and I have been together for since 1999. And we've watched a million shows together. And this is one of the best, if not the best things we've ever watched together. You know, just an unbelievable piece of work. And Dave and I both enjoyed it. So I wanted to mention it. We won't go into any spoilers or anything tonight just because it's so fresh. I still and people I think are still discovering it. Um, I don't want people to have to like skip ahead if they want to watch it or whatever. But I just wanted to say I loved it. Give it my highest recommendation, Dave. Your thoughts? And when when you relate it to wrestling, it kind of does in a way only because wrestling fans are listening to our show. I wouldn't say it to someone on the street relates to wrestling storyline. It's the way to do a storyline cliffhanger. It ends. Oh my god, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to live without seeing the next one for a week? Because by the time you told me. It was about five episodes in. Yeah, and we I had to wait, wait for two of them. We had to start waiting yeah. in real time, brother, like the old days. Yeah, they you know, putting like them the up once a week on Sundays. Yep, they yeah. were putting them once a week on Sunday. And uh, it was just like, wow, like what's going to – and then, you know, going on Reddit, like you did, Steve, different yep. things. And just yep. like the Sopranos. That's what that's what everybody used to do, saying what you know what their idea was, what, what's going to happen next. And I, I don't want to start talking about the show and give shit away, but the characters are, are just like, you know, I, I loved uh, – this won't give anything away, but I loved Mayor's mother – you know, she reminds great me of like character. somebody I yeah, would know character. here from Carney. Yep. It's based in Easton, Pennsylvania, which is really a county, but they say it's a town in the show. But I know that it's a suburb of Philly, and I'm yep. over here in Carney, New Jersey. I'm only about an hour and twenty from Philly, so it feels local, like Sopranos did for me. So that's another thing in its favor. That home, they've got that hometown feel. And Kate Winslet, who is, I believe, an English actress from yep. you know, Titanic, Correct. she she changed her voice, like how 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 like. David Bowie does when he's singing. You know what I mean? Like, remember all these yeah, singers? Yeah, she did 80s? amazing. She did. They amazing. sound like they're American, but yep. then when then when they talk in an interview, they're, they're speaking in an English accent. Amazing. I mean, I'm not some you know growing up in you know 1998 when I was 18. The last thing I'm going to watch is Titanic. So I've never still never seen it. The boat sinks. Yeah, yeah the boat sinks. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but uh, so now, but now you never know. I discovered a my right now my favorite actress. Yeah, so, uh, the my favorite line of the whole show, and this doesn't give anything away, but uh, Mare reveals herself to be a grandmother to a man that she's just had sex with. And he says, oh, you're a grandmother. And without missing a beat, she says, yeah, do I fuck like one? <laughs> so good. Such a great show. Nice set on her, too. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you wrote, you know, we write to each other. Oh, you know, did you Google her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yep. It was good. <laughs> it was a good search. Put yeah, it that way. I would definitely, <laughs> definitely search Kate Winslet naked. And she grows on you in the show because yeah. they, they have her, you know, she has no makeup on, her hair's kind of dirty. It was just the way it would be, like over there. Not dirty, but you know what I mean? I'm not meaning it that way, but just, and I'll say, you know, I'll say this a woman that's been through something. I'll say this too because I don't think it's a spoiler, but people get on Mare's case in the show because she's not 
she's she's not the most pleasant person. She's a little grouchy, whatever. But then look at how people treat her. You know what I mean? I would just say that. Like, people are so shitty to her. And then they wonder why she's that way. I don't know. But I could relate to that. But, but um, deep down, you, you see, you know, what a golden heart she really yeah. has. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. She great... wants to do her job right. She loves her job. But, you know, that that's first and foremost. But families, you know, even above that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great show. It's got Dave and I's highest recommendation. So I wanted to mention it. All right. That's yeah, my style. We're out of time for all that. Uh, on today's show, I mentioned it earlier. We're going to cover Survivor Series 1987, which means we're going to read the news from November of 1987. Uh, then we're going to obviously, uh, obviously in this um, in this format, it's a little bit different because you know um, usually we have a single opponent, and then the question is, in the next segment, we go into um, the bio. And stuff, but there's a team of opponents, so you'll see how we set it up on the in the next segment. So in the next segment, uh, we'll see what we're gonna do. We'll talk a little bit about uh, wrestling on Thanksgiving, right? We talked about wrestling on Christmas, so we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we will take another break. We'll do the news, we'll do the show, we'll do the match. Uh, Dave's gonna give us Hogan on tour in the episode. Uh, we got Paula at the end. We got emails, a whole bunch of stuff to do today. So let's take a break, and we will be right back. We'll be back. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster. Or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast back tonight's episode, the nineteen eighty-seven Survivor Series. So, what does that mean? Well, it means that Hulk Hogan doesn't have a, an opponent, a specific opponent, like he has had in all the other shows, with the exception, of course, of the first Royal Rumble. So, what are we going to do? Whose bio are we going to read? Well, Dave and I were talking, and this is going to come up again. You know, we're going to do shows with wrestlers whose bio we've already read. We're not going to do it twice. Uh, we're going to do more Survivor Series, more Royal Rumbles. So what we're going to do is anytime we're in a position where we've either done the bio already or um, we don't have a direct opponent to do a bio, uh, we thought we would look at someone outside the ring. And tonight we're going to look at Slick. Why Slick? Well, he's one of the managers in Hulk's match, uh, representing the one-man gang and also rec- representing Butch Reed in that match. So... Kenneth Wayne Johnson, Dave, born December 8th, 1957, obviously better known as Slick. He's the son of professional wrestler Rufus R. Jones, so a second-generation performer. He was born in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, He currently lives in Louisville, Kentucky, 
He's 6'4", 180, although he was usually billed much shorter than that. Yeah, I've been next to him, man. He's a tall dude. He's a tall drink of water. Yeah, he's Let's put it that way. Started his career in 1986 uh, with a quick stint in Texas All-Star Wrestling, managing Mad Max and Lord Humongous. Uh, he left TASW for Kansas City Central States Wrestling to become the Doctor of Style Slick, characterized by a smooth attitude, confident speech, and dancing as he accompanied his wrestlers to the ring. Among the wrestlers he wrestled, uh, managed there, of course, were Art Cruz, Timothy Flowers, Bobby Jaggers. Is it Jaggers? Jaggers? Jaggers. Jaggers. Like Mick? Bobby like Jaggers, Mick. like Mick. Uh, Bulldog Bob Brown, and of course, Butch Reed. Uh, Slick and his stable feuded with Kansas City mainstay, his dad, Rufus R. Jones, and other fan favorites before he and Reed were forced out after dropping a loser leaves town match against Yukon Eric Bruiser Brody. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. And then nobody nobody knows why that's funny, but it is. Yes. But what a matchup that <laughs> that would be. Uh <laughs> Butch so... Reed and, and uh, Butch Reed and Bruiser Brody is, is a is a match uh, that I would like to see. Yeah. You know, I've never seen any footage at all of Slick Anywhere else but the WWF? Now yeah, that I think that's about a good it, point. any of this footage. I, don't think, I would love to see it. I don't think I have either. Uh, yeah. he, he debuted in the WWF alongside Reed in 1986. Soon after, he purchased half-interesting Classy Freddie Blassie's heel stable. Uh, Blassie at the time, his health was declining, and he was being slowly phased out. So Slick eventually took over all his managerial duties from Blassie. He initially managed Volkoff and Sheik. He also sold the contract of Hercules. Um, oh, Steve, I don't like to cut you off during yeah. these. You do such a great job. But that vignette with Heenan and Slick at the bank. So good. Here's your withdrawal, Mr. Heenan. Yep. Where is my money? All the vignettes in WWF history. Pile them all up together. That's my favorite one. There's also a great one from this early era. It's a stand-up interview with Mean Gene from the Australia tour. And Slick comes out, tells Gene he's got a bowling ball head. Um, it's just really good. A really great... That Australia stuff is gold. You get a lot of stuff they, w- they yeah. w- would never show on America TV. You know, from those Australia, I don't know if you want to call them outtakes or, or whatever. It's uh, really good stuff. Yeah, in his career, he mostly, you know, obviously managed, managed Akeem, uh, the big boss man, the one-man gang, which is the same as Akeem. Um, the, his theme song, Jive Soul Bro, it's on Predator. Uh, was written by Predator Pile, um, pile Driver. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have Dave Wolf. Dave Wolf, yes, and uh, <laughs> or Dave Dog, as Lil Banner would say. Yeah, Dave Wolf, Bernie Butch Taylor, and Jeff. But Predator, they, if they did have a soundtrack, it would have came out right around the same yeah, time. Yeah, same era, same era. Yeah, same, da- Dave, almost the same, exactly the same time. I just want to be clear, Dave and I have not been drinking, and we have not made any mistakes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing everything in, in right order, too. Yes. Everything's in order. We're, we're on top of our game tonight. <laughs> uh, what else about Slick? In 1991, he went on an extended leave of absence after being power slammed by... The British Bulldog. Yep. Uh, he returned a month later as Reverend Slick, and uh, that's what he does in retirement. He's an ordained minister. Uh, he graduated from Campbellsville University. So he's got a bachelor's and a master's degree. You can actually hire him to do your wedding. And a friend of mine was getting married, and we did all the legwork, got all the numbers, everything presented to his wife. 
and said, hey, can we get slick? We totally straight-faced it. She was disgusted. Um, and we let it go for like a few hours, her believing that he really wanted to hire Slick and everything. And she was just sick to her stomach. Imagine how your believe, wife would feel. Believe the dis- you couldn't believe the disgust in her. Uh, and they're divorced. <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> no surprise there. Yeah, no imagine surprise Imagine how your wife would feel, feel before Howard Finkel passed away. He would, he would introduce the bridal party. If you, you know, oh, amazing. Yeah. If you had Slick be the minister and Howard Finkel introduced the bridal party, maybe even I would get married. You know, you know what I mean? You know how uh, at the wedding, the bride and groom like come out to a song after they get announced? There's like a song playing. Sure. Tammy and I, our song, Real American. Was it really? Yeah. Now, well, I was going to use that if, if anything ever worked out right for me, but it, it, unfortunately or fortunately, it didn't. But um, do you have a, a wedding video? Like no, we just did a, a regular photographer. We didn't do a video. Ah, man. I would love to have seen that. But yeah, great, great. Real American was our... Uh, the 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 um our parents came out to when the saints come marching in you know the okay saints. and then the uh the um the other people i can't remember what the you know like the best man i can't remember what they came sometimes out it's just like like a techno beat or something no hell no yeah. there's no techno beat at my wedding get the fuck out no, of i'm here. just saying that's yeah. what they fucked no, yeah, no, no, out exactly no 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 dude we had during dinner music we had a mix that I made with like Long Road by Pearl Jam and Hearts and uh, Led Zeppelin and I know. What about Tammy? Is there, is there anything she well, wanted to use? Well, d- listen, people have to have fun. So when it was time to dance <laughs> and shit, you know, like I whatever. I the only thing I wouldn't allow was the shout song because oh, fuck that. because that turns into a big Bills thing in Buffalo, and we weren't gonna have a big Bills thing at my wedding because I'm not a Bills fan. So that was banned, and it was so annoying. At least like. Five different people obviously had went to the DJ to request it and then came up to me like, oh, the DJ said I can't. Come on, man. Come on, man. It's like, no. Beat it. Um, I have a lot of heat with DJs. Uh, no rap. Any party that I have anything to do with because rap is crap. Our, but, uh, um, our dance song, like the song we danced to was uh, Parachutes by Pearl Jam. Uh, the song I danced to with my mom was uh, Kind and Generous by Natalie Merchant. And then... Sort of towards the end, I told my mom, uh, oh, I got to stop for a second. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, and then my brothers brought a, brought a chair out, and we sat her down, and we gave her flowers and held a sign above her that said thank you, and the whole place like, gave her a standing ovation. It was really cool. Oh, that's very nice. Very and the, nice. And then um, the last song of the night with the lights on uh, was Yellow Ledbetter. Um, oh, Beautiful. But uh, yeah, there's. He didn't a, get this on tape, brother. I would love to see it. There's a lot of real music. We could do. Like, we could have done a watch along right here on the Twenty Punch <laughs> podcast. There's nothing I hate more than the music at weddings. So, with the exception yeah. of like all the dance bullshit that had to go on, because people have to have fun. I understand, but everything else was. Um, but the, I mean, I would like the, the real dance stuff is, is is cool, but like that shout and the ones that are just really annoying and you know overdone. You know what I mean? Like Billie Jean, great. You know yeah. what I mean? Like something something like that. But anyway, um, Slick is, you know, he's been on here and there. Old school editions of Raw, WrestleMania 23, which I actually happened to see that live and popped hard for Slick. Um, But God bless you, Slick. Um, And if you're looking for someone to marry you, look him up. Another thing about it. If if somehow I do get married, Steve Bennett. Slick. I can't use Real American now because now we're close friends. 
I just can't, you know, copy someone. Can't nah, you can't because we're partners in that song. Nah, we are, but no, but I'm now using Jive Soul, bro. <laughs> that would be good. I want, to talk, my mind. I want to talk real quick about the history of wrestling on Thanksgiving because, of course, uh, this show was on Thanksgiving and it was a huge night. And there's a cool article I found when I was researching this for the show. It's called The History of Pro Wrestling on Thanksgiving by Dave Meltzer. Uh, it's on the Wrestling Observer website and we'll link to it. Uh, but I just wanted to go through some things here. Um, this is actually the lead story on the December 6, 2010 edition of the Wrestling Observer newsletter. So it gives you an idea of how old this, you know, how long ago this was written. So it was written in 2010. Um, and it's, it starts with this. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far, well, not that far away, Starcade 83. Don't miss your chance to be part of, and it goes on to this whole thing. And uh, the point here is that Starcade 83 was on Thanksgiving in Greensboro. And a lot of the early Starcades were on Thanksgiving. And um, it wasn't just Starcade uh, that was a, uh, a Thanksgiving event. Um, and it wasn't just 1987 where um, Vince McMahon tried to chip off Starcade. Um, in 83... Vince McMahon Jr., Vince McMahon Sr., and Jim Barnett, their director of operations at the time, all resigned from the NWA at its 1983 convention as a prelude to the national expansion. They're attempting to sign every big star with the strategy that they take the top draws in local areas, buy the television time slots in the areas, and run those areas using local stars and a crew of national stars. It didn't work out exactly like that everywhere, as many wrestlers liked who they worked for, including Flair. But that was the idea. McMahon Jr. had a secret meeting with Race right before Thanksgiving, offering a big guarantee to bring what most fans believe to be the legitimate World Heavyweight title to WWF, where no doubt he'd drop it in a unification match with Hogan, who McMahon had just signed to be his flag bearer. Wow. Race, who was part owner in a money-losing regional promotion in Kansas City, as well as traditionally strong St. Louis promotion that had just started to decline, turned it down out of loyalty to the companies he owned, his partners, and the people who trusted him for so many years to hold the championship. Race claimed he told McMahon while in a bathroom where the secret discussion was taking place to look in the mirror. McMahon didn't understand where he was going, but Race said that every day when he wakes up, the first thing he has to do is look in the mirror. And if he signed that deal, he had to have no respect for the reflection for the rest of his life. Um, there's also been big cards in 1973 um, in Greensboro. Or, excuse me, 1972. Uh, the Sacramento Memorial Auditorium. That was main evented by Paul DeMarco and Lars Anderson. Uh, they defeated Pat Patterson and Rocky Johnson versus, via DQ in a three out of five fall yeah, match. It's a cool team. Uh, Dave, the earliest record of a major Thanksgiving event was November 26th, 19? Let me scratch my goatee here and think about that. I'm thinking it's going to be a late 50s, early 60s. How about 59? Oh, nailed it. When wow. Barnett promoted a show in Indianapolis, uh, headlined by Roy and Ray Shire, uh, defending the tag titles against Dick the Bruiser and... Well, I was going to say Bruiser Brody, brother, but I'll go with UConn Eric. Nailed it again. Uh, they drew a sellout of 13,000. The Shire brothers were on uh, fire there. The Minneapolis-St. Paul area had a Thanksgiving tradition 
from 1960 to 1987. Uh, they only stopped because they couldn't draw. Uh, and it's a little-known trivia that the first ever wrestling event held at the Greensboro Coliseum was on November 23rd, uh, 1961, Thanksgiving night. Uh, and it was held on Thanksgiving until 1987 again. Uh, but it wasn't always like a huge push show. It was just a show. Uh, a newspaper story in the local paper noted, this is in 84, they wrote this. In Greensboro, Thanksgiving has become synonymous with the spectacle of big men hurling each other about in a small ring in front of thousands. Wrestling has become part of Thanksgiving in this city for more than a quarter of a century. Uh, the newspaper story for that debut talked more about the main event uh, than the beginning of pro wrestling in one of the most successful arenas or the idea of a show on Thanksgiving. Um, now, here's the story here, though, and it ties in with our card tonight. And Meltzer says, Thanksgiving 1987 was among the most pivotal days in the history of the industry. Well, so he probably doesn't even eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Go ahead. <laughs> and played a big part in the death of Jim Crockett promotions, although that was probably inevitable as well, as Crockett Jr. simply didn't have the money, the developed revenue stream, and cash flow to compete on the even playing field with Vince McMahon. He expanded into new markets second, wasn't as good as making stars, and didn't have as much money to spend on production, was facing insurmountable odds by not being from New York. Crockett announced his company would do its first pay-per-view event, the Fifth Starcade, on November 26, 1987, and call it Chi-Town Heat. And it would be at the UIC Pavilion in Chicago. At the time, Crockett was desperately trying to combat the perception that his company was a Southern wrestling promotion, strong in the Carolinas and thus secondary to Vince McMahon's WWF based right outside of New York. Moving the company offices from Charlotte to Dallas, and moving Starcade from Greenboro to Atlanta, um, the prior two years were actually dual between Greensboro and Atlanta. And this is kind of where the idea, I think, for three cities kind of outdoing that with WrestleMania 2 maybe came in place. Absolutely. But the big story of that night was not Crockett taking Starcade from Greensboro, killing the Thanksgiving tradition his father started. It was Vince McMahon creating the Survivor Series to run on pay-per-view from Cleveland that same night to prevent Crockett from a successful debut. In those days, pay-per-view events were rare, and most systems only had one channel, so you couldn't run two pay-per-views at the same time. The key was McMahon was a proven success on pay-per-view coming off WrestleMania 3, which had done an excess of 400,000 buys at a time when it was only in about 5 million homes. So I'll repeat that. They got 400,000 of 5 million homes. Yeah, and remember, everybody else was in the uh, all the arenas that yep. would have wrestling, had it on closed circuit. Yep. Knowing Everywhere. the leverage, knowing who had the leverage, Crockett agreed to move his show to the afternoon, which negated the whole key of why Thanksgiving worked. The afternoon was when families were together and not a time for live events. There was a fear in Chicago that the event might be a bust, but that didn't turn out to be true. It only held 9,000 fans, and they sold out ahead of time. But cable companies short on pay-per-view product were thrilled. Looking at marketing the two events together as a package deal. Starcade in the afternoon, Survivor Series at night. Win-win, right? Not for McMahon. He realized that he just what he just did may have, may have benefited him as a greater awareness would have helped both sides. And he didn't run a show to help his competitor. So he told the cable companies that they would have to pick one show or the other, knowing he had all the leverage as a proven pay-per-view winner. To make it more emphatic, he said... 
that any company that aired Starcade would not be allowed to have WrestleMania 4 in 88. Only five companies bucked the system. Four were in Carolina, where Starcade was expected to do more business anyway. And one was in San Jose, where the company made a verbal deal with Crockett. And unlike every other company in the country, their word was their bond. Uh, despite all the threats, all five companies were allowed to air WrestleMania the next year. Uh, just some numbers here on this. The attendance in Cleveland was 21,000. And the pay-per-view buys, the pay-per-view buys were 350,000. Uh, Shytown Heat, which was headlined by Ric Flair and Ronnie Garvin, had way less fans at 9,000. Had 41,000 people watching on closed circuit. Pay-per-view buys, Dave. How many do you think they had? God, I mean, just I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I know it, but but just off the top of my head, I don't remember. It, it can't be anything over fifty thousand. No, sixteen thousand five hundred buys. Sixteen five. So you know, it really and, tanked and what, them. What Vince? I mean, I love, I love the McMahon's. I love Vince. You know, whatever, all the bullshit that everybody talks. I don't listen to any of that. But you know, I also like Eric Bischoff in WCW in the nineties, and the way Vince cries about. What Bischoff did, stealing talent. You know, all we got to do is take a look at this. It's just business. That's all it is. Yeah. It's business. And this article goes on and on as Meltzer can. Uh, the final Thanksgiving event in the Minneapolis Auditorium in 1987 only had 1,800 fans. Yeah. It was headlined by Kurt Henning defeating or defending the title against Greg Gagne. Um, but yeah. yeah, this is a really awesome article, and we'll link to it. Maybe uh, should have found a better challenger for Kurt. Maybe they could have had a couple thousand more. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I was always wondering what happened in November of 63. I don't know if he says it here, uh, just because, of course, that was when. I could tell you what happened back in December of 1963. Well, I was going to first focus on the fact that JFK oh, okay. was killed Oh. that weekend. So I'm wondering, were the wrestling events canceled? I did a whole podcast on the NFL and their decision to play the games. Um, with Tim Layden, who wrote that um, piece for SI. Uh, okay. But check out this article. We'll link to it. It's really cool. I wanted to kind of mention that stuff. Um, Thanksgiving and wrestling. The biggest night, of course, was November of 87. Uh, we went through that there. So now, quickly, before we take a break and come back and read the news and do all that, Dave, it's time for me to pass over the microphone to you, and you're going to tell us where Hulk Hogan was. Hulk on tour around this time in 87. What's what's the Hulk yeah. up to? For our listeners, the 24-inch podcast, this is a good one, so hang tight here. November 6, 1987, Nassau County Coliseum in front of 15,275. That's a sellout. Oh, shit, Dave. No one. Dave. Same oh, spot. What no, happened? I'm just kidding you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Are we on still? Yeah, we're still on. That's an inside oh, joke. Man. That's an inside joke. No, that's, a, that's a good inside yeah. joke. That's a good inside joke. My heart just sank. <laughs> <laughs> feel like I feel like I punched in the stomach by the one man gang. We'll we'll explain Nassau it. Coliseum. We'll explain it on the next show. Ahead, one man gang over Hulk Hogan by disqualification. It was a sellout. The next day, November seventh, St. Louis at the Keel Auditorium, only forty four hundred. Hogan pins the one man gang. Then the next match, ravishing Rick Rude with Andre in his corner defeats Orndorff. Then Hogan comes out for a stare down with Andre after the match. Listen to this one. November tenth, Vancouver, Canada at the PNE Coliseum, a six man tag team match. Hulk Hogan, the macho man Randy Savage, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, defeat King Kong Bundy, ravishing Rick Rude, and King Harley Race with Andre the Giant in his corner. That may be the first time ever 
Hogan and Savage were on the same team in an actual match. I'd have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure that's that's what it is. November 11th, Saturday night's main event taping in Seattle, Washington. The Coliseum sell out of 16,000 fans airing after the Survivor Series. The Saturday after Thanksgiving, November 28th, King Kong Bundy over Hulk Hogan on a countout when Bobby Heenan held Hulk's leg on the outside. November 12th, Oakland Coliseum. Oakland, California at the Coliseum, the million-dollar man with Andre in his corner over Hulk Hogan on a count-out, and Andre interfered. November 13th, Las Vegas, Thomas and Mack Center, 7,179. DiBiase over Hogan on a count-out again with Andre's interference. November 14th, L.A. Sports Arena, 9,000. Hulk Hogan over none other than Killer Khan still hanging around November of 87. 11-15, Reno, Nevada, matinee show. Hogan once again over Killer Khan, which I believe is Killer Khan's last match with the company. November 16th at the Meadowlands, nothing to do with Hulk Hogan, but we've uh, talked about this before. It's the old-timers battle royal. Luthez won it. This is where um, Macho Man's dad, Angelo Poffo, was not allowed in the match. November 17th, Des Moines, Iowa, sellout 11,000. It's a superstars of wrestling, TV taping, Hulk Hogan over the one-man gang. A challenge taping the next day in Omaha. DiBiase over Hogan on a countout with Andre interfering. 11:21 in Baltimore, Hogan over the gang. 1122, Toronto, Toronto, Maple Leaf Garden, 17,560. DiBiase, DiBiase over Hogan, count out with King Kong Bundy interfering this time. And as we're getting to the last few, November 22nd, DiBiase over Hogan at a count out in Hartford, Connecticut. November 25th, Providence Civic Center, 10,890. DiBiase over Hogan on a count out with Andre interfering once again. And then finally, Richfield, Ohio, Jesse the Body, or Jesse the Pilgrim's favorite city. The Survivor Series, 21,000 with a sellout. Awesome. Good work, Dave. Good yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hulk Hogan on tour. All right. We are going to take a break. We will be right back with the Survivor Series 1987 and the news from November of 1987. Yes, yes. Thanksgiving night, the World Wrestling Federation presents a special live pay-per-view event. Witness the Survivor Series. The most spectacular lineup in wrestling history will make this November 26th, Thanksgiving night, a night to remember. Hulk Hogan's team is led by the world's heavyweight champion himself. On Thanksgiving night, the WWE is having their first Survivor Series. Andre the Giant, your team versus mine. One by one, they'll be eliminated until it's just you and me together. Hulk's teammates are Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Bam Bam Bigelow, superstar Billy Graham, and the former Olympian Ken Patera. The opposition features Andre the Giant. I want you, Hulk Hogan. Andre's team includes Ravishing Rick Rude, One Man Gang, King Kong Bundy, plus the Natural Butch Reed. See the Survivor Series this Thanksgiving night. Right now, let's go to a special interview. Thank you very much. And later on, we will witness the main event. World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Jet Hulk Hogan captaining his team against this team captained by Andre the Giant. A team consisting of the one-man gang, King Kong Bundy, the managers, the doctor of style, the slickster, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And to my right, ravishing Rick Rude, the natural Butch Reed, and of course, the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. And Bobby, I know Andre, the entire team, very hopeful of tasting victory tonight. Tasting victory? 
This man tasted victory in WrestleMania 3 when he pinned Hulk Hogan's shoulders to the mat. One, two, three, and I'm going to guarantee you, like you thought and everybody thought, it's going to happen again. Perhaps we can get a comment from the eighth water of the world himself, Andre the Giant. Hogan, I did it once, and I will do it again. Later on, the main event, Hulk Hogan's team against Andre the Giant. Steve Slick, do your thoughts, please. Well, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is, brother. Tonight, these gentlemen are not going to behave as gentlemen. They're going to be a group of cruel, sadistic animals. Team you know, as they're eliminated one by one, and you're standing there, Hogan, and there's nobody left to help you, he's going to be there, you and him, Hogan, and then, then world champion, you're 300-pound turkey, it's all over. All right, back. Hogan, I'm here for one reason, Hogan. I'm here for you, soul. And tonight, Hogan. I will be the survivor. Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. We're talking the nineteen eighty-seven Survivor Series, and I'm excited to get into the card and break down the Hulksters match as the captain of the team going up against Andre's team in their first time in the ring together since WrestleMania three. But Dave, before we can do that, it's time for me to read the news. All right, Dave, we're sticking with these guys. We caught them in a lie last time. Uh, they had the poor Miami Dolphins playing two football games in one day, uh, which would have been really difficult. Um, but I haven't found a better resource yet, so we're going to trust them again. And we'll start on November 1st, where the New York Jets retire Pro Football Hall of Fame wide receiver Don Maynard's jersey, number 13, still to this day, probably the best Jets wide receiver ever. Hmm. You know, Don? I do not. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, November 2nd, entertainer Lola Falona is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, and Sorry I me- to hear. I mentioned that only to mention that uh, yesterday uh, was Lou Gehrig's day in Major League Baseball. Um, and uh, I just want to quickly uh, shout out to Steve Gleason, uh, the uh, former New Orleans Saints player. Uh, Pearl Jam fanatic and uh, ALS battler. He's had it for so long. I can't believe he's still alive, but his slogan is no white flag. So no white flag shouts out to uh, Steve Gleason. God bless him. Remember the uh, ice bucket challenge? Yeah. Yeah. For that. Did yep. you do one? I did not. Was never asked. <laughs> never challenged. We we have, of course, shocking. There was a wrestling skit with my ice getting dumped on me. Maybe we'll try to find it. Post it on the page. November 2nd, George Harrison releases Cloud 9. And McCartney releases all the best. What's your favorite Beatles performer solo song? Well, George Harrison, I guess that album that's uh, got my mind set on you. Got my mind set. Yep, that is. Yeah, I'm an 80s guy. It's a good song. You know, uh, Here Comes the Sun, of course, is 
is going to be up there as well. Well, that's I like the George Beatles. What's, what's, oh, it's not George Harrison. He sings that well, song. No, though, but right? what I'm, what the question was is, what is your favorite song by a Beatle outside of the Beatles? That's not the Beatles. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I do know it. It's Band on the Run. Is that that's not the Beatles, yeah. right? Nope. That's Wings. That's that's my answer. That's okay. That's a good one. Uh, November third, Oakland A's first baseman. I'm going to leave his name out. Wins the American League Rookie of the Year with 49 home runs. 118 RBIs. He's the second to win the AL Award unanimously. Uh, the first was Carlton Fisk in 1972. Dave, who is this uber-famous first baseman? Roger Rabbit. Mark McGuire. Oh, okay. You've heard of him, right? I heard of him very well. He, okay. uh, Him and Goldberg did a couple of vignettes together. <laughs> he, was on, he was on the gas with everybody else. <laughs> he was. And he's a big crew fan. Yep. Uh, November 3rd, New York center Marcel Dion becomes just the second player in NHL history to register 1,700 career points, scoring a goal for the Rangers in a 5-3 loss at Calgary. Marcel Dion lives in the Buffalo area and used to have a um, a store in the mall here, and you could routinely be in that mall and just like, oh, there's Hockey Hall of Famer Marcel Dion in the mall. That's why I love the mall. Love everything about it. Yeah, I miss the mall. I think, I think in 10 years... There'd be no more mall. Yeah. Unfortunately, maybe five years. This is an outrageous story. Lisa Steinberg was battered into a coma by her adoptive father, Joel. Shame on you, Joel. Sounds like an unsolved mystery deal. This is a big, big deal, Dave. November 5th, Into the Woods opens at the Martin Beck Theater for 764 performances. Then in one of our shows down the line, we'll find out when it closes. Yeah. Uh, right. no- November 5th, the iceberg, twice the size of Rose- Rhode Island, is sighted in the Antarctic. Look out, boats. Okay. Don't hit that, baby. Don't run into that. November 5th, U.S. Supreme Court nominee Douglas H. Ginsburg admits to using marijuana and later with- withdrawals from consideration. Wow. Uh, November 2nd, the third college football holy war. Notre Dame beats Boston College 32-25 in South Bend. Obviously, the Holy War stuff comes from them both being Catholic schools. Wow, that's cool. That's a cool name. That's a little like Vince McMahon or something. Yeah. You know, given those November eighth. catch. November 8th, 11 are killed in an IRA bomb attack in Northern Ireland. Oof. Oof. Not um, good. November 10th, Steve Bidrosian edges Rick Sutcliffe. 57-55 to win the NL Cy Young Award. Now, the, okay. <laughs> the, AL, the AL Cy Young Award was won by this Boston Red Sox starter. It was his back-to-back award. Um, he is also a going to win Cy Youngs with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he played in one World Series with the New York Yankees. He once threw part of a bat at Mike Piazza. He is Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens. Very good. You know, I actually I was telling someone this the other day, and I want to cut you off. I would love to like baseball. Ever like the idea of something, but then just doesn't work out for you? Yeah. Like you, you buy I a love CD. Baseball, like, so. I, of course, I know you do. No. Everybody does. It's yeah. me. I'm, I'm the weirdo. But like you buy a CD, you want to like this new Metallica album or something. Well, you got to love it going in, to a ball wanna... game, though, right? Just no, the I, idea. I want sit. to. Yeah. I want hot dog, Americana, dad and son. It just—I don't want to be a poser. I just 
I don't know, brother. It just I mean, I want to like it. Even it to go to a game, you don't enjoy going to no, a game. No, I, I do. I mean, I've, I've been to a few, but I mean, of course, it's not going to be on my top thing to do. If you were, if we live near each other and you invited me to a game, of course I would go and I would have a good time. I'm just saying, I want to be like, I want to be a fan. Right, you know, like, I've tried. Like, have a team and follow the yeah, team. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, I, I do. I, I really, really do. It's not just like, oh, I hate this shit. It's not like that. It's just, I'm just being honest. Well, this you is crazy. I mean? On November 11th, a Van Gogh painting. Sells for a record at an auction. What, what do you think? In 1987, how much do you think this Van Gogh painting, it's called Irises. Hmm. How much do you think it's sold for? Vincent Van Gogh. That's the nut with, that cut his ear off, right? Or no, I, that, that I've was... I've heard the name. No, that was... Um, ah, what's that guy's name? Go ahead. But how much do you think? Quarter of a mil. Oh, higher. Three quarters of a mil. 50 mil. Wow, I have no idea. $50 million. God bless him. God bless who would pay for that. It was Van Gogh who cut his ear off. I was right on that. Not He sent he sent it to his crush. Cut it off and sent it to his girl. Um, Teddy and Alice. Get in our, those brownie points. Let's get in, our, get in our play in there. Minx Off Theater. 77 performances. November 12th it starts. November 12th, heavy snow closes schools from D.C. all the way to Maine. Holy shit. D.C. to Maine, like living in America, James Brown. Yep. I don't think that uh, hit um, New Jersey, though. That, that I remember. That's a, that's an early snowfall. We had a Halloween snowfall here in 2011, and all the trees still had the leaves on them. Oh, yeah. You know, because it wasn't in, in all. They all fell. A tree in front of my house fell. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, we had that in um, 2006. It was called the October, the October Storm, the October Surprise. Yeah, we had a bad week. Yeah. Uh, November 13th, the first condom commercial on British TV. You a condom guy, Dave? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to get honest with here. Yeah. No, I, but I wonder if. Um... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say Howard Stern wears condoms with his wife. I just couldn't imagine. Yeah, that's a little I weird. I couldn't imagine. Uh, November 13th, Sonny and Cher perform together for the final time, singing I Got You, Babe, on Late Night with David Letterman. I love when Beavis and Butthead. Uh, oh, so good! Did their version of that. And when did Sonny Bono die? I, I would have thought he. I guess it was in the nineties. Yeah, but they they, they split up. Yeah, he had a tree. They split up. Okay. Uh, November fifteenth, twenty of eighty-two aboard Continental Airlines DC nine die in a crash in Denver. Brutal. The first, oh, wow. the first thing I remember opening Twitter and reading about was a plane crash that happened in Clarence, where I, out near Buffalo, where I live. Um. Wow. Yeah, it was wild. I woke up and all Twitter was, "Oh, commercial plane crash outside of Buffalo." I'm like, "What?" It didn't affect you like Ricky Valens, I hope. No, no, no. Uh, November fifteenth, USSR. These jerks are performing nuclear tests at a Kazakh um location. Um, November sixteenth, Paul McCartney. The album came out. He released a single back with uh with his boy. Now the album Once Upon a Long Ago comes out. Hmm. Uh, I don't the, remember anything. We got the baseball awards this month. The AL MVP, the first Blue Jay to ever win it, George Bell. And the last couple nights, the Blue Jays uh, played the first Major League Baseball games in Buffalo, New York, with fans in the stands in over a hundred years. I'll be there. Oh, when you what? I'll be there when the Yankees are here in a week or so. You weren't one of those fans in '87. No, I'm in '87. No, last couple days. I just said. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I had a whole, I had a whole thing I was going to go with on that too. <laughs> no. uh, 
19 or November 17th, Madonna compilation album, You Can Dance, is released. It's got to be like her first greatest hit. Favorite Madonna song? Borderline by far. Yeah, I was going to say definitely an early 80s one for me. Maybe um, Papa Don't Preach. Borderline would definitely be a choice. But I also like getting outside of the early 80s. um, I guess it's the late 90s, Ray of Light. I like Express Yourself. I like that. Yeah. Um, November 18th, Congress Congressional Committee reports on the Iran-Contra affair. I remember coming home from school and that being on the TV all the time. Uh, the AL, or excuse me, we had the AL MVP. Now we have the NL MVP. The first time ever it's on a last place team. The Cubs, Andre Dawson, wins the MVP. Um, November 22nd, the Patriots shut out Indianapolis 24 nothing. It's like, okay, so? Um, but yeah, of weird. course... So you hear about the Patriots back then. Right. And you know of course, I mean, when they it doesn't say it here. Uh, but Dave, we are smart enough to know uh, that the 1987, you'd subtract 1963 from that, and it would be the 24th anniversary of the death of JFK on November 22nd. Yes. Um, let's see. The 37th NASCAR. Corrado split- Soprano, I'm sure, was uh, in memoriam that day. Uh, the NASCAR championship for 1987 is won by NASCAR. Vince Neal. Maybe the most famous NASCAR driver ever. Uh, or second uh, most. Petty? Or, um, yeah, Petty's probably the most. So the next guy. Uh, Died in the car. Earnhardt Jr. Yeah, well, senior. Senior. Yeah, not junior. Third. Uh, <laughs> November, get, count, get counts. Come on. November 23rd. Your favorite, Steffi Graf. Uh, wins her first tennis tournament. Remember, I was always shocked. Oh, that's the one. Her. That's the one. I, don't, I still don't know. Her. She's still married to uh, Andre Agassi. You know him, right? Yeah, eat your heart out, Andre Agassi. Yeah, eat your heart out. Uh, let's see what else is going on here at the end of November. The fifty-second Iron Bowl, Auburn beats Alabama ten nothing. That's a one-hour match because Iron, like an Iron match. Iron yes. Match. Yes, that's exactly okay, where I they got it. it. All right, I figured exactly it out. Where they got it. Um, all right, big day for me. November 29th, the New Orleans Saints win, assuring their first winning NFL season. And Dave, 1987 is my first season as a New Orleans Saints fan. That's when right. it started for me uh, way back in 1987. This season was my first season of as a fan. You should uh, write in since being a, they should use the Saints of Los Angeles crew song at their games. We are, we are the Saints. You know, just use that part. That'd be cool. Score a touchdown. Yeah, I love it. November 30th, this is the last one, the Afghanistan Constitution was adopted. One of the great constitutions. One of the great political documents of our time, uh, the Afghan Constitution. Okay. Okay. All right. Good that's news. It. That's the news for today. Um, not too many Broadway shows. I think only one. Yeah, I skipped over. You know, I can only <laughs> okay. read about Good. so many damn Good. Broadway shows. <laughs> All right, brother. The main event of the evening, Survivor Series 1987. It was in Cleveland, but not Cleveland, you know. They pulled this they pulled this deal where they, you know, put their arena in the suburbs. Uh, and that meant everyone who wanted to play the Cleveland Cavaliers or see a rock for rock concert, they had to go to Richfield Township in Ohio. Uh, at the Richfield Coliseum, 
uh, and it was between Cleveland and Oak, uh, Akron, which was kind of the idea to put it in the middle. Uh, it opened in 74 as a replacement for the Cleveland Arena, which was in Cleveland proper. And it seated about 20,273. It was replaced, of course, by the Gund Arena in the early 90s. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, the Gund Arena has been around a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was the main arena till 94, which is when Gund Arena opened Gund, okay. back downtown. Um, but, you know, a famous arena, and we do this all the time. We talk about these places and what they've hosted. And it's just the coolest shit. Frank Sinatra played there. Stevie Wonder, Elton John, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, Jethro Tull, Alice Cooper, Eric Clapton, Elvis, uh, the Eagles, the Allman Brothers. I mean, I could go on and on. Kiss, Wings, Fleetwood Mac. And these are in the 70s. This is like when they're in their primes. Top of the line. You know, Black Sabbath with Boston. Wow. Um, I love Boston. What an underrated band. Fog Hat, you know, Bruce Springsteen, Boston comes back to headline, Bad Company, uh, dude, you name it, Billy Joel, Hart, Rush, of course, in the city where they became a huge band, which was Cleveland, who started playing Working Man. Oh, I didn't know that. It started in Cleveland. Yeah, it started in Cleveland. I thought it'd be like Toronto or Montreal or something. Yeah, Phil Collins, um, you know, because then you go into the 80s, I was mentioning the 70s. You know, then you get to the 80s, Duran Duran, Culture Club, Tina Turner, Triumph, Dio, U2, The Triumph. Firm, Motley Crue, September 21st, mm-hmm. 1985, with Y&T, uh, July 24th and August 1st in 87, with Whitesnake, and December 3rd, 1989, and July 5th, 1990, with... Uh, July 5th, 1990, the crew was touring with Winger. Johnny Cash. It, oh, oh, I thought you said oh, the crew was touring with. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what it no, says. My, that, that's not right. Well, according to them, yeah. and we'll, we can fact check it, that Motley Crew played a show at this arena on July 5th, 1990 with Johnny Cash. Hey, man, I, I don't know everything. You know what I mean? I know a lot. I never heard that. Good to be. If, I hope it's true. Hey, that'd maybe be, that'd be cool. Yeah, Did, but maybe he was. Maybe he was a guest and came up and did a song or something. That or maybe it wasn't sense. exactly a Motley Crue show. Like maybe they both just played in something. I don't know. July July of ninety was the third leg of uh, Doctor Feelgood. I think they were with Tesla and somebody else on that on that leg. Just for fun, let's just Google Motley Crue concert with Johnny. Cash and see if we get anything. Yeah, let's see. While you're doing that, as we say, it's, it's funny yeah. you said the November '87 show. While I was watching the Survivor Series, Honky comes out for a platform interview, and somebody's some dudes wearing a girls, girls, girls shirt, like right there in, in plain sight. Obviously, he got it at that show. Right. I don't see anything early. about it. Who knows? Yeah, I don't think that happened, man. But yeah. I always like to. I always. I hate to be that guy. I know everything about Hulk Hogan. Everything about. It's not true. You always. You love should to learn new. Thi- you should always just, love to learn new things. You should correct uh, Wikipedia. That'd be fun. And maybe he got up and did a song. You know, maybe was, I'm going to look more into it after this. I'm not as you know. I'm doing the podcast. David I'm not Lee Roth, Cindy Lauper, The Pretenders, Bon Jovi, Hugh Lewis. Look at everyone's played at this arena in the 70s and 80s. And then even in the early 90s, you have some big people like Guns N' Roses with Skid Row. Uh, da- yes, Garth Brooks, 91. Damn Yankees, Billy Ray Cyrus, Steely Dan, Pantera with Biohazard and Sepultura. 
And the very the very last show, September first, nineteen ninety four, my fourteenth birthday, Roger Daltrey closed it. Wow. Very cool. And this is also the arena of the October nineteen eighty six big Saturday night's main event that we already covered here on the twenty four inch podcast. Hulk Hogan, yep. Mr. Wonderful, Bulldogs in a Dream Team, Cheeky Baby and Piper. It so also got a lot of history. Was the home of the Cleveland Cavaliers, as we said. Cavs. Um the um AHL or the uh, NHL Cleveland Barons when the Cleveland had an NHL team from 76 to 78. They played there. Um, Arena Football League teams, International Hockey League. Look at everything was in Cleveland was here. You know. So anyway, we I digress. Uh, I like to talk about the venues a little bit though. Um, 21,300. It's a sellout. Uh, we talked about earlier they wanted to. That's a jam sellout too. That's yeah. not, there's not even any single seats there. Twenty one thousand in the arena. Yeah, packed to the gills. Um, and the big the big storyline is that Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant are be in the ring together, um, for the first time since WrestleMania three, and this is kind of the beginning of the end of the first title reign right here. Sure is right. You know this is where the you can kind of track it from here. And, you and know, who would have thought it at the time? Yep, and we we're then, both watching in real time. Yeah, right? in February. So my question to you, Dave, is did you – I know the answer, but I'll ask it on the podcast. Did you watch this on pay-per-view that night? But they don't know, Steve. we got to think about them, brother, right? Yep, that's why <laughs> Yeah, I they don't know. Uh, of course. Um, I did not. Uh, actually, my dad – we didn't have pay-per-view yet in Carney. Uh, for WrestleMania three. I went to Anthony Pagano, friend of the show. Uh, it's father's house in Bayonne. I'm going to try to keep this quick. And then the first time my family ever had a camcorder just happened to be Thanksgiving 1987. And recently we, we sat down, members of my family, and watched this. And you see my father yelling at me. I'm going under the table and wrestling with the dog. <laughs> and my sister's beating me up. And he keeps saying, no Survivor match tomorrow. I'm not getting a tape from Dominic, whoever that is. I'm going <laughs> to tell Dominic no. You know, no or, or maybe Survival Series. You know, not, not the right name for it. All right. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, then yeah, I do a Real American comes on on the cassette and all that old deal. Who the hell wants to hear about that? But, yeah, yeah, that's that's a funny story for sure. Yeah, the next day, I think it wasn't WrestleMania 4. We also went to Anthony's father's house. So it wasn't until, I think, Survivor Series 88 that was the big the big run in Carney. Well, my, watching on my pay-per-view. My parenting threat around this was, uh, if you remember, November Thanksgiving time would be around when the first marking period report cards would come. So yeah. I was asking my mom. Parent teacher conference. Yeah. I was asking my mom if uh, we could get it. And the the way it broke down was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving weekend was a half day. And your parents had to pick you up and the teacher would give your parents the report card because I guess people would get, if you gave them right to the kids, they'd hide them or whatever. So your parent had to pick up your report card and sign for it. And there was no buses on half days. So your parents would pick you up, sign for your report card, and leave it. And my mom said, if that report card's good, you can get it. If it's not, you can't. And back then, you needed a box that you would hook up to the TV to get the pay-per-view. You just pick it, actually got to go pick it up. Yeah, we had to go that. to Adelphia Cable. Was yeah, the cable we didn't company. have that. That's crazy. We had to go to Adelphia's offices, which luckily were actually right near the house. So this probably would have never happened. Um, if it was like in downtown or something, my mom would have been, hell no. But um, so we get there. She signs the report card, and I'm thinking I'm fucked. I'm like, there's no way this – because I was a lazy kid. I was so bored with 
third grade or whatever, first grade, third, whatever it was, I would just not do any work, clown around, you know. You needed to pull off. a Carol Seaver and Carol Seaver and skip a grade. I need to do something because I was not yeah. focused or motivated. But whatever, it was good enough. And she said, "All right, we can go get it." And we went and got the box. And but then the big thing was the next day at Thanksgiving, I wanted to leave at like three o'clock to get home to watch it. And I kept getting yelled at, you know. Oh, you were somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah, Grandma's house, members. you know, down Grandma's, the road to Grandma's okay. house you go, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And I wanted to get the F out of there, you know, to go home to watch wrestling. Sure. Yeah. That, that's kind of a good gateway for the parents Well, kind of to get out. Like, oh, the kid right. promised them But wrestling. here's the thing. I just knew all day we'd be late, you know. Like, we're not going to get out of there on time. We're going to be late. My brother Greg was – um one years old. This was like his second Thanksgiving. He was born September 2. So, you know, we got the one-year-old baby over there who's still kind of like the star of the event. You know, everyone's got to hold yeah, the baby. Man. And, you know, the football yeah. games are on. And, you know, my grandfather wants to watch the football with my dad and, you know, all that shit. But um, we got home on time. Steve getting a little mischievous. Barely. I mean, background. barely got home on time. Um, all right. Let's go through the matches. So there's only a few. Of course, um, there are four. And the first one is awesome. So let's start with that one. Brutus Beefcake, Jake Roberts, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Randy Savage, and Ricky Steamboat with Miss Elizabeth. Wow. Defeat what da- a team. Dangerous Danny Davis, Harley Race, Hercules, the Honky Tonk Man, and Ron Bass with Bobby Heenan and Jimmy Hart. And the first thing I'm going to say is it broke my heart that... Um, that Steamboat and Savage were together. Uh, I didn't like it. Uh, real quickly, Dave, I'm going to run through the eliminations, and then I'll let you kind of respond to the card or to the match, and then we'll grade them. Okay. And we'll get, see what Bouncer thought. So uh, Harley Race and Jim Duggan are eliminated first at 433, a double countout. Uh, Ron Bass is pinned by Beefcake at 701. Uh, Beefcake is pinned by Honky Tonk at 1051. Uh, Danny Davis pinned by Jake the Snake. I think a DDT there at fifteen eleven. Yes. Uh, Hercules is pinned by Savage at twenty one oh four, leaving uh, the Honky Tonk Man all alone and in beautiful sleazeball fashion. He walks off, takes the count out, making Randy Savage, Jake Roberts, and Ricky Steamboat the first ever survivors of a Survivor Series match. Dave, what do you think of this one, and what's your grade? Well, I love it. I just like this whole this whole thing, you know, besides maybe the women's match, which I don't hate either, is just, you know, comfort food for me. And this this whole, you know, I got into wrestling in 86 and 87 was the year of the face turn. And we'll start with this match. Savage was a heel in 86. Jake was a heel in 86. Beefcake was even a heel in 86. Duggan was new to the company, you know, so all you have left is good old baby face steamboat. (laughs) <laughs> there so it did it kind of like that was like the first thing where i like questioned like what like how are these guys gonna function i, I, I just saw a savage you know try to kill the belt to, yeah. you try to kill him you know what i mean they you know a little bit mentioned it on the platform interviews on superstars and challenge and stuff but whatever i got over it the match is great it feels like they all got together because jake hated honky tonk man if you remember that feud wrestlemania Steamboat obviously hated Honky Tonk Man because well, and the, the hot, title. the hot, 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 hot thing here was Savage and Honky Tonk. Savage and Honky Tonk because of pushing Man, of Elizabeth down. Yeah, the two team captains that was that was a ma- that was a major feud. Uh, 
going into this. So you had the three guys come together to go after Honky. Then you had Duggan and Race in, in a heated feud as well. And just throw Bass and uh, Davis uh, in, in Hercules in there as well. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I, I remember, like, thinking, like, because we were so used to, like, superstars never getting pinned or it would be some kind of shenanigans. Like, Beefcake getting pinned by Honky pretty much clean was like, wow, like, what the hell? Like, then you start seeing a little more of that in the Survivor matches and started getting used to it. But I remember at first being like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, Brutus was, was pinned like that. But you got to see the shake, rattle, and roll. You got to see by Honky. You got to see the DDT by Jake on Davis. It's just like a night almost like for fun for the crowd. It's Thanksgiving. You know, what What, what a way to start it. Such a star-strutted event. And um, Honky leaving was absolutely the right thing to do. There's no way he should have take the, take a pinfall. Brilliant, him and brilliantly Sav- done. Brilliantly done. Him and Savage were tearing it down money-wise. I think the only other intercontinental feud that comes close to drawing what they did was Tito and Valentine. So that's why those four guys, in my opinion, Honky Savage, Tito and Valentine are the greatest intercontinental champions either of all time. Excuse me, of all time. Uh, Steamboat don't count because it was so quick, unfortunately. Greatest. His, that, his, his is the greatest chase. Greatest, the greatest, greatest chase. Right. Yeah. And um, it was just great. Just imagine a, a modern fan. Honky Tonk Man's their worst nightmare. You know, walking, not having a lot of moves, walking out, not a real finish. They'd be puking up their turkey and, and uh, cranberry sauce, you know, crying <laughs> their eyes out at Honky Tonk Good Man. Point. If, this was, a, if yeah. this was in real time today. Good point. But it's just that, that that's the wrestling I love, the, the stories that make sense and everything. And um I gotta get. I gotta give this uh, four stars. Yeah, I got four stars too. What do you think? Okay. What do you think Meltzer gave it? Uh, well, I mean, you got Steamboat in there. You got some technicians in there that 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 he likes. He's probably gonna say Jake got fat or something because he did beef up a lot since you know since uh, earlier in '87 for sure. Uh, two and a half. Yep, you're right. What do you think? This is a bonus. What do you think, Justin, from the Place to Be podcast gave it? Okay, um, I'm going to put him somewhere in between us and Melser. Uh, three and a half. Three stars from Justin. Three stars, okay. All right, uh, the second match, I got to be honest, I couldn't watch it all the way through on this particular watch. Uh, it's not my favorite Survivor Series match. It's the women's... I heard you have, I heard you have eyes for Donna Christianella. Oh, yeah, she's beautiful, gorilla. That's what I heard. Yeah, uh, the Fabulous Moolah, the Jumping Bomb Angels, uh, Rockin' Robin, and Velvet McIntyre. Defeated Don Marie, Donna Christianello, the Gilmore Girls, who are some beastly broads, uh, and the who? S- Sensational Sherry. Oh, did I say Gilmore? Yeah. Yeah, I meant to say Glamour. Oh, the Glamour Girls. Okay. I could have said Golden, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Golden <laughs> Girls, the Gilmore Girls, it's the Glamour Girls. Gilmore Academy is right over there in Cleveland. Maybe that's what was on my mind. Uh, but it was Lilani Kai and Judy Martin. Uh 20-minute match. I'll go through the eliminations quickly. Uh, Donna p- pinned Velvet. All pinfalls. All the way through. Uh, Donna pins Velvet. Dawn Marie gets Rock and Robin. Er, okay, hold on. Velvet gets Donna. Rock and Robin gets Dawn. Sherry gets Robin. Judy gets Moolah. Velvet gets Sherry. Kai gets Velvet. Um, <laughs> uh, Itsuki... Yamazaki. Bomb Angel 1. Yeah, Bomb Angel 1 gets Lilani Kai, and Bomb Angel 2 gets Judy Martin, and the Jumping Bomb Angels, who this match is for, really, to showcase 
are the winners. Uh, it's one and a half stars for me. It's just not for me. I'm not interested in it. I didn't like it. What do you got, Dave? Well, there, there was a lot of buzz at the time about the Jumping Bomb Angels. I remember Uncle Tito, you know, we'd speak about the show, was like, hey, Dave, how about those uh, Bomb Angels? And, you know, a seven-year-old kid, ah, the girls, I don't like the girls. But you know, he was interested. There, there was a buzz about them going around. And, um, yeah, I didn't think it was necessarily good. I didn't think it was that bad. Jesse was so into it. Yeah. He was going wild over the Bomb Angels. He, he loved the action. He didn't see that kind of high-flying stuff in the WWF. And, you know, you had to get that other old guard there, you know, Christianello, uh, Dawn Marie, obviously not the Dawn Marie from ECW right. or her Moolah. mom, maybe her great grandmother. And how about Mula as a face? He's, every time she tagged in, the crowd would boo. Because yeah, she's quite Moolah. the face, she's Mula. A, yeah, a good guy. Good, yeah, good the, per- yeah. the ultimate and, heel. But they, yeah, and they put her without no explanation, no nothing. Just Sherry, when Sherry won a title in Houston, Texas, she was a face against Mula. And, you know, the big pop, Sherry Martel, new champion. Then she starts cutting heel promos on, on syndicated TV. And, uh, they, but they didn't have the girls ever wrestle on syndicated TV. Uh, on primetime, you would see a match from Houston, Texas, or the Boston Garden, or Madison Square Garden. But that, that's the only way you knew them. So these fans remember Moolah from, you know, beat, kicking Cindy Lauper and being Spider Lady and, and screwing over Wendy Richter. That's what they remember. And now she's with the good guys who you're pushing, the jumping bomb angels. It kind of made no sense. So when Gorilla made the call, the fabulous one is out of here. The match kind of came together. The bomb angels and sure. the glamour girls. Yep. Yeah. That's what it was all about. They had an awesome match at the Royal Rumble 89. And I'd like, sorry, I'd, like, I'd like that match. I do. Yeah. yeah. 88, I meant to say. Yep. And supposedly they're supposed to have a match at WrestleMania 4 even, but... um. The, I think the uh, bomb angels, you know, had to go back to Japan or something like something so what do you, But there was a, what do you give there it? was a buzz. There was a buzz about the jumping bomb angels at the time, even in school. Uh, two and a half stars. All right, I gave it. I'll give it one and three quarters. You talked me up a little bit. What do you think Meltzer gave it? Yeah, because you had to get rid of all that other old guard to get to yeah. the. Yep. I don't right. want it to be you know not a non survivor match. I like it all being all survivor matches. A lot of people don't, but if you just had the tag team match, you know, it would have been fine. Uh, Melser, because of the Bomb Angels, he, he's probably a mark for them. Oh, God. Uh, he may, Maybe with me, two and a half. Yeah, I was surprised. Only two from him. Only two? But he would, if the Bomb Angels weren't there, he would have been negative 15. What about Justin? Uh, also two. He goes three. He says just, three. just as good as the opener with more quick-paced action after the slower start. Uh, Justin and I just... Have different views on wrestling, I guess. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I don't... but yeah, I mean, the, the Bomb Angels—it really was—they really were hot for some reason. Just fizzled. I think there's a picture of one of them going around the internet from the past five years, and she looks she looks good, young and stuff. Still, all right, so good for them. The 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 show stealer here, really. Thirty-seven minutes long. The tag team match. So we got the British Bulldogs, the Killer Bees, the Rougeos. The Champs, Strike Force, and the Young Stallions, which is Jim Powers and Paul Roma, defeated the Bolsheviks, which is Zukov and Volkov, Demolition, the Dream Team still kicking around, but with Dino, obviously not um, the Barber, uh, the Hart Foundation, and the Islanders, and with Bobby Heenan, Mr. Fuji, Jimmy Hart, Johnny Valiant, 
and slick. So let's go over the eliminations real quick. This match is awesome. Although there's a million people at the ring. Um, and they are having a hard time shooting the match. And uh, Bruce Pritchard has yeah. mentioned this before, that they learn their lesson and they do a better job shooting it the next year. Yeah, it looks like a, a whole different card. Whenever they mess with the lights, even the whole yeah. match next, it doesn't look like the, the, a Saturday, the Savage match and the ladies match look like a Saturday night's main event. Now it looks like a mix of that and a house show. Sure. Whatever they did with the lights. Uh, Zukov and the Bolsheviks are out first. Tito Santana uh, pins him only a minute 30 into a 37-minute match, so not bad. It's funny, y'all. He also pinned Boris in the Survivor Series 90 yep. know, with the same move. Uh, Jacques Rougeau takes the next pin with the Rougeaus. Axe gets that. Six minutes. Uh, Smash is disqualified to get Demolition out at nine minutes, which was a surprise to me. I remember kind of being like, oh, I thought they were going to win. Yeah, they ain't taking no pinfalls, though, brother. I was scared to death of them at this point. Uh, Tito... Uh, Gets pinned. The champion uh, gets pinned by Jim Neidhart, which is another kind weird, of wild moment. Weird pin, too. Yeah, it was like, of, He just, like, fell down and he pinned him. Yeah, at 12 minutes. Um, Dynamite uh, gets pinned by Haku um, at 20 minutes. I, was I thought that was a, heartbroken by that. I love Dynamite, too, but I also love Haku. I thought that was an awesome finish, though. That kick. Oh, beautiful. Did he, miss a, he missed a headbutt or something, and he yeah. got, Haku got up, and he got in a karate stance, and boom, and Jesse's losing it over Haku the whole match, too. Yeah, Greg Valentine's the next one to go down. Paul Roma pins him, which is cool. Yeah, uh, that big sunset flip from the top rope. Yep. Then That, um, that was cool of Greg to, to let himself get pinned by a you know, youngster yeah, like really Paul cool. Roma there. Brett yeah. Hart takes a pin at 31 minutes. Jim Brunzel does that. And then the Islanders are the last ones out. B. Brian Blair, the other killer B., uh, gets a pin. All kind of confusion with the masks and all that. The Killer Bees and the Young Stallions are the survivors. This match and the one next time in 88 are two of my favorite matches of all time. And they were both in my top 10 of WWE matches that I didn't send in because of technical difficulties. Uh, but I have both of those matches in my top 10. I love these matches. I love them so much. The second one is the better of the two. So I'll give this one 4.5. But the one in 88 is a full five-star match for me. I love it so much. Love this. Anytime I got 40 minutes to kill, this is a great way to do it. I probably watch this match 100 times, and I probably watch the other one 300. I love these. I'm super high on it. What are your thoughts, David? What's your grade? I agree. Um, you know, Everything about it is great. Uh, the way, you know, Tito went down to the hearts because their hearts were chasing them, obviously, strike force on the road because everything's still about the house shows. Yep. Remember? Yeah. So uh, the winners, though, the Killer Bees and Young Stallions kind of throws me off a little bit. Maybe, you, you know, maybe just the Killer Bees. But it's cool that they gave the Stallions that kind of rub there and it never really went too far. But I got a funny story. You know, if, if that matters, uh, yeah. Rocky Balboa in 2006, the movie came out. I guess that's Rocky Six, right? Yep. And I'm um, in the movie theater with a bunch of buddies and Clifton, New Jersey. And uh, we used to always do a thing. If a guy walked by, a fat guy with a bald head, we'd go King Kong Bundy or, you know. So a guy comes up. So me and, and my friend Anthony Pagano go, hey, it's Jim Powers. He goes, hey, how you doing, guys? And start shaking her head. Like, oh, it's really you. Great, great. And we just... 
the movie was starting and we're talking wow. we're talking about Survivor Series 87. I'm like, yeah, man, like slapping ass Survivor Series 87. You kicked ass. Like, oh, I got I had to get my ass kicked the whole time just to go over once. Uh, I'm glad you guys remember. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome though. Just like I'm trying to pay attention to the movies, but I'm such a mark that like I'm like, oh, I got Jim Powers just sitting behind me watching Rocky Balboa. You know? That's so but cool. uh yeah, I also love these these uh these tag team matches. Uh the second one because of the angle at the end makes it better. If it wasn't for the angle with you know, demolition turning face and powers pain. And the gambling, the whole gambling thing I absolutely love too. I'm a huge mark for that. With the conquistadors yeah. and Jesse. What odds would you give him now, Gorilla? Well, you know, I just love that. Yeah, he, he did know. a little bit of that and uh, we'll we talk, did it with we'll, Bam Bam. We'll yeah, talk about that bit. one, you know, next we'll do that yeah. show, obviously at some point. These matches they're very similar. You know, I mean, sometimes even yeah. me, I'll confuse them a bit. Like, even when I was rewatching this, I'm like, oh, where are the conquistadors? Like, oh, there's stallions were in both of them and not the conquistadors. You know, then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, four stars, um, four and a half, I have no arg- argument with. I'd probably give the four and a half to the, uh, to the 88 ones. Only the 88 one is, was a little confusing. I kind of thought the pa- Mr. Fuji turned good at, at first watch until seeing superstars the next day. Like I was a little, a little confused about it, but uh, but that's not what we're covering anyway. But uh, yeah, this one, uh, nice seeing the bees. I'm surprised the bees never got the belts. They always they kind of got the better of the Hart Foundation most of the time. Beat them in a lot of non-title matches and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, you know the mass confusion, getting Jesse. The crowd goes nuts over that, and getting Jesse just losing the shit. You know over that beat the bees putting the mask on. That's probably next to Hogan the most thing Jesse ever got pissed off about. So uh, yeah, just just excellent, top of the line. What did you give a rating? Four stars. Uh, the the same rating for Justin and Meltzer. What do you think it is? Well, a lot of people. I know Justin's not one of these that kind of person, but a lot of like more of the modern fans don't like this kind of stuff. All right. Well, they're idiots. And Meltzer kind of rep- Mel- represents. But remember, them, so he, he graded this in 1987. He didn't grade this yesterday. All right. I'm gonna go. Um, Justin three stars, and Melzer two. Dude, I said they both have the same grade. You donkey. Oh, I I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no. All right, same grade. Okay. They both have the same. Grade. Uh, all right. Um, three. Yeah, I guess three and three. No, four. I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't catch you saying that. I'm sorry. Four and four. I said it like four. Three okay, times, so too. they're right. They're right with there. Yeah. That's, no, I didn't hear you. That's going to be one of the other highlights yeah. of this when we listen to this back. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, you're going to hear how many times. Imagine it's not there. <laughs> I, I said that it's the same. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, I love that. But what a great one. All right. So that brings us to the Hulk. Uh, let's break down the teams real quick. Main event. It's Andre, Butch Reed, King Kong Bundy, One Man Gang, and Rick Rude uh, with Heenan and Slick versus Bam Bam, Don Morocco, Hulk Hogan, Ken Patera, and Paul Orndorff. Hogan's team is the weaker of the two by a lot. By a lot, by far. Uh, Orndorff is in his flip-flopping mode. He's a good guy at this point. He's been a bad guy. Been a good guy. Been a bad guy. With his small arms. Uh, Patera's fresh out of prison. Uh, Morocco's running out of gas and gassed up. And Bigelow's the new kid. Um, But on the other side, Andre is Andre. You know, Bundy main evented at WrestleMania. You know, Rick Rude is a future Intercontinental Champion. One man gang's getting ready for a run with Hulk at some point, if he hadn't had it already. And Butch, it's, go, it's actually going on yeah, at the time. And Butch Reed is, you know, the, probably the fifth seed on this team, but still Butch Reed. So good team there. All right, we're gonna do it. I'm gonna read you uh, 
like I always do. I'm going to give you some play-by-play of this one. Uh, we'll talk about this. Um, another thing uh, that happens here um, is Jesse says he wants to see how Ted DiBiase spends his Thanksgiving, and we do just that. So we get a video here of DiBiase. He drives around. He's bragging. He eats a gourmet dinner. We have clips of him fucking with uh, fans. Um, it's just a really good uh, early um, million-dollar man. And like I said, this is the beginning of the end of Hogan's first title reign. And that's part of it. You know, that DiBiase is kind of being introduced at this time. And we have a um, we have a, uh, a promo here. Uh, and they, they show every vignette he ever, he ever done on TV up to this point on the show. I thought that was genius. Yep. To catch, every, catch everybody up. Um, Gorilla and Jesse kill some time. They chat about the main event. Then Craig DeGeorge brings out the Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart for a chat. Honky Tonk Man talks away his loss earlier and says Savage needs to go away because he can't beat the Honky Tonk Man for the title. And he says he's the greatest of all time. Uh, mean Gene is with Team Hogan and Hulk is all fired up. Puts over how fired up and hungry his team is. And that size doesn't matter. Obviously, they're the undersized of the two teams. There's some beasts over there. Uh, here we go. Team Hogan versus Team Andre. A huge main event here. Massive WrestleMania 3 rematch. Tons of beef on both teams. A nice spot for Rude immediately placed in a main event match. Good for Bundy. Still hanging around at the top two. Slick leads out Gang and Reed. An impressive team that gets to dance out to Jive Soul Bro. The heat for Andre is fantastic as he marches out uh, while Bobby gushes all over him. All the faces get strong reaction. But obviously Hogan blows everyone out of the water. As he power walks to the ring, toting a giant American flag. Jesse bitches right away that Joey Morella always refs Hogan matches. Uh, and Morocco and Rude uh, open it up. Uh, we'll go through the eliminations real quick. Um, and these are them. Butch Reed is pinned by Hulk Hogan at three minutes. Uh, you see Hulk, Hulk galloping for that leg drop. Yeah. Moving faster than The Undertaker ever did. Uh, one Take man, a look at that. One man gang is, uh, eliminates Ken Patera at eight minutes. It's about seven more than Ken should have hung around in this one. Oh, good uh, man on Facebook, though, Ken Patera. Not not one of my favorites wrestling wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick as a heel, baby. Rick Rude um, eliminates Paul Orndorff at ten minutes. Maybe a little bit of an upset there. Uh, then Morocco pins Rick Rude a mi- minute later. Uh, at 13 minutes, uh, the one-man gang uh, pins Morocco. Uh, and then in the shocker of the night, uh, Hogan is counted out at 16 minutes. And I remember at home uh, just basically being shocked. You know, just like, oh, my God. Because I thought Hogan was either going to lose to Andre uh, or, you know, win. And neither of those happened. He gets counted out. Um, but that's not the last. We'll, we'll see a Hulk. Uh, we'll get back to him in a minute. Uh, Bam Bam, that means, is alone uh, against a shitload of dudes. And they're all big and strong and mean. Uh, it's Bam, It's King Kong Bundy, One Man Gang, and the Iron, uh, Andre the Giant versus Bam Bam. And Bam Bam puts out an impressive, impressive, impressive showing. Very. He eliminates King Kong Bunny at 18 minutes, the one-man gang at 21 minutes before reality sets in and Andre gets a headbutt or two and eliminates him at 22 minutes. All these um, eliminations were pinfall except for the count out of Hulk. 
Uh, overall in the night, um, we had all pinfall eliminations except for two countouts in the first one, uh, one disqualification in the third one, and one countout in the fourth one. We did not have any referee discretions, as they mentioned in the rules, as a possibility. The referee never decided just to eliminate someone. Um, but Andre the Giant is the sole survivor. It's really sp- smart booking. Um, uh, real quickly, um, Andre comes right in. This is how it ends. Andre comes right in, batters Bam Bam with clubbing blows and headbutts as the crowd is buzzing. Uh, Bammer starts to avoid Andre by diving around the ring and catches breath, but eventually he misses a dive in the corner, and Andre crushes him and then gets a double underhook for the win. After the match, Hulk comes in and drills Andre with the belt to send him scurrying and then poses. Uh, It was a great match with more nonstop action and lots of heavy offense. The energy and heat was so good, you could just feel the star power, both young and old. Andre getting the win was neat because he gets reestablished after Mania, and he looked like a stud with the massive presence. Bigelow looks great, too, lasting to the end and getting those big eliminations. Nice showing by mostly everyone and a great main event. Uh, Gene catches up with Andre and Bobby, who are both gloating and pissed off about what happened with Hogan. Heenan says Hogan can have Andre if he just puts his name on the line. Put the belt up and you can have Andre. Andre survived it all and says Hogan cheap shotted him after the match. Um, look, at this is awesome. Uh, it's four and a half stars for me. I mean, you know what? It's a little high. I'll go four and a quarter for me. Um, really great stuff. A lot of action. A lot of energy. What say you, Dave? Okay, before I get into the match, I just wanted to make mention that uh, Morocco is replacing superstar Billy Graham in this match. Uh, two weeks before on Superstars, um, Morocco, uh, one-man gang and Butch Reed ended uh, Superstars' career with a bunch of big splashes, and Morocco came out and made the save. And even in the first match, I forgot to mention that uh, Steamboat was a replacement for the JYD. Uh, they just made mention about two weeks before the show that Steamboat uh, was coming back and JYD offered to step aside for him to get involved in the match. So a couple of replacements there. And then uh, onto the match in Morocco, <laughs> back to him coming down the aisle, he looked like he was going to rip somebody's hand off, slapping slapping five to the fans. He was pumped up on something for sure. When you, said he, when you mentioned he was gassed up, wow, he was pumped for this match. And, uh, yeah, and Hulk comes out with that giant American flag on Thanksgiving. I don't know why. He should have came out with every other Survivor Series, too. But, oh, my God, it's just just Hulk in his prime. Post-WrestleMania 3, pre-89 you know 89 title reign, Hulk's in his prime. And, um, you know, like I said, the way he ran for that leg drop on Butch Reed, he was just pumped up. He wasn't phoning it in. And a funny story about Hulk was uh, in the back, uh, the Ultimate Warrior was with the company at this time and didn't have a match. And uh, they had a big t- Thanksgiving, um, you know, turkey, stuffing, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, they had everything there for the guys to eat. And Hogan, Warrior was like eating like crazy amount of food. And Hogan, you know, he said, if this guy's doing this, I got to do it. You know, I mean, I can't let this guy eat more than me. I don't really get that, but whatever. But then, you know, Hogan's all full of his food and he's got his music playing and someone tells him, oh, no. Warrior doesn't even have a match. <laughs> I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck did I do that for? So he's down there. He's probably farting on everybody. But um, 
trip yeah, to fame great. Ca- yeah. catching up. He needs a nap. Trip to fame, yeah. brother. Yes, I got that in a pill form. And then um, me and my friends, I remember just being like, oh, my God, Andre, King Kong Bundy, and One Man Gang are on the same team. It's just like, well, those nobody could beat those, you know, fat guys, heavy guys. That are going, they can't be beat except by Hulk Hogan. And it's kind of true. Nobody beats them. Like, yeah. what so what the is Hulk going to do? Beat them all? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is going to happen? Forget about Rude and Bush and Reed and Those three. Like, and that's kind of what it came down to. But when Hulk slammed Bundy on the outside, then slammed the gang, I get goosebumps just watching it. That's vintage Hulk. That's what he, he'd rather get counted out. But prove that he could slam these fat these fat brothers. You know what I mean? That's so Hulk Hogan. That's what people hate about him. That's what I love about him. You know, it's right in there into into the gimmick. It's awesome. It's <laughs> you know? I couldn't yeah. imagine hating. Yeah. yeah, instead of just punching him or hitting him in the back with a chair, he's got to slam both the four hundred fifty pounders. That's why I love this guy. And you know, even with Andre, when they when they met off in the ring, oh, Hogan wait, was kind of no selling. Dave, this yeah. is also the Hogan must pose, the birth of that. You know, yeah, man, that's yeah. A, yeah, at the end. Sure, it's uh, what I say about that. Hogan must pose. Of if course, he's gonna he lose must. It, if he's going to lose a title or get pinned, fine. He never, he never did that. Right. That's that's a different, that's a different story. And he didn't do that. But this countouts, we had a countout list, twenty four inch podcast with Macho Man. He posed Thanksgiving night. It's like you know. Going to see Michael Jackson and he stands there and just sings a song. He doesn't dance. The posing is the dancing. It's 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 yeah, part of it. Doesn't dance. Doesn't touch a boy. None of that. He just sings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. Hogan might touch his uh, best friend's wife instead of the boy, but right. whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> just kidding. But uh, yeah, but you know what I mean. Shout out to Heather. Heather Clem. Heather Clem. If you're listening, you never know. Send her over I, here. I heard she is a listener. She is. A, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. I heard she's a big fan of this. As long as that no good Bubba the fat love, I like to see Hogan body slam him outside the ring. Well, that's why she likes us. She, she she heard we were trashing him, so then she listened to hear that. <laughs> now she's yeah. a big fan. But go ahead, yeah. finish your thought. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's, that's all. That's all good because I was going to get there anyway. I just love it. That that's the Hulk I love. I don't want Hulk Hogan to be this baby face little goody goody. I like that for the reason why people hate him. I like him that he is a good guy that wrestles like a heel. I've always liked that. That makes me like that makes and that makes I always felt that's why I like him. And I always felt, and Dave, you probably did too. He was just doing what he had to do to survive because people were always trying to do that thing yeah. to him too. Yeah, right. And the but and Andre Andre went at him. Hogan was saying, "No, I'm losing this one," and it was going to go on to the, in December. Andre chokes him out in Saturday Night's Main Event. I'm sure you remember that. Yep. You know Seattle. So this time, you know Hogan's got to look good. And I think Andre won. Andre did look like. A million bucks at the end, like the, it, nobody could even touch him. And Andre didn't have to do much, but I thought Hogan looked great too. But then, forget about Hogan for now. The, the Bam Bam against the three big men, bought, um, Bundy, Gang, and Andre. It's like what? Yeah, he did great. He really did. And do then great. beating the two of them, you know, they had some serious, serious plans for this guy. And Dave, and he was t- Dave. So I don't forget. I just want to give a shout out to Justin from Place to Be Nation for the notes. Some of the notes I read there. Uh, thanks to those guys. And, of course, check out uh, the latest edition with me on it because that would be cool. And anytime anytime you're on that show with those guys, that's they're like my favorite podcast anyway. But then when you're on it with them, it's that much better. I absolutely love it. And you know that already. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, this uh, – and Hogan uh, – when Andre and Hogan did, did meet in the ring here before Hogan got pulled to the outside and got counted out, he was like no selling some Andre's shops and stuff and just chopping them right back. 
Like it, it looked like a real fight, and that's that's what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, what, and what's your grade? Oh, great is, uh, is definitely four and a half stars. Okay, and we're right about the same. In uh, all these. I love this match. I've watched silver. I've watched this over a bunch of times. And but the whole Bam Bam max, uh, aspect of it. What do you think about that? I think he may have been primed for. Oh, they had, maybe looking at him for Savage's spot at WrestleMania four. They had. I don't know what the plans were, but they had big plans for this guy, and it was his immaturity and inexperience. I think that cost him here. Um, but I didn't think he was too. He didn't seem too green in the ring, even though he was green. He held that. Well, part I might well. mean inexperience from like a business sense. Oh no! Apparently, Sav- Lanny Papo yeah. says a lot of these people say he was he was a jerk off. Uh, it got you know got to his head, which is understandable. He was like twenty four years old. Yeah, so it's understandable. But yeah, some something big was on the horizon until he met Andre in the garden. Justin Andre beat the shit out of him. Justin gave it four stars. Meltzer gave it three and a quarter. This might be one of Meltzer's. Favorite WWF pay-per-views of all time. There's four matches. None of them got lower than two stars, and one got four, and one got three and a quarter. So he must have been injecting that tryptophan, right? Thanksgiving '87. Wow. I mean, and just for comparison's sake, on the other card, uh, Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, and Sting and Steiner and Zabisco and Gilbert. Fifteen minutes. Two and three quarters. I don't know what that's about, but that's who was in it. He gave it to uh, I didn't even know Sting was there in 87. Steve Williams beat Barry Windham to retain the UWF title. Gave it a dud. Rick Morton and Gibson beat Stan Lane and Eaton in a scaffold. Three stars. That's a lot for a scaffold match. Yeah. Uh, Nick, Nikita Koloff beat ter- ter- Terry Taylor. Uh, one star. Uh, Terry Blanchard and Art Anderson. Uh, retain their titles. DQ on the Road Warriors, three and a half. Dust, sounds good. Dusty Rhodes over Lex Luger, one star. And the main event, Flair and Garvin, two and a half stars. So I would say he probably liked the WWF show better. It seems like that. You yeah. better watch out. Jim Ross don't come break down his door with giving Steve Williams a dud. I know. Unbelievable. Yeah, Unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, Melser, I mean, you know, I only know – more about him into, into the 90s and stuff. Or this is all news to me, like what his his um, star ratings are in the 80s stuff. So uh, maybe he has he had changed, you know, a little bit, going with the narratives more, going trying to go with the cool kids or whatever over the years. Who knows? Well, a really good show. I really, I'm glad we picked it out. I'm glad we did it. We're going to take a break in a second. We still got some stuff to do, and it's already been a long night. So let's take a break. We'll be right back. Paula will join us. If she's still awake, it's 1 a.m. on the East Coast. I'm going to have to wake her out of bed, get her little butt out here. Uh, we've, been, we've been doing this for four hours now tonight, uh, rec- this is like- recording a marathon session. We're both drunk. We're both tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll do emails, and we'll tell you what we're going to do on the next episode and all the stuff we normally do, plugs. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll be back, Jack.
24-inch podcast back for one last segment tonight. Episode number 13, just about in the book. Survivor Series 1987. Not going to be often that we do one of the four signature pay-per-views out of the time frame. Uh, But we wanted to do this one just to kind of switch it up a little bit, do something different. Trying to get a feel for it. For yeah, Survivor Series. Just try one out. But for the most part, we'll do, like, for example, in August, we'll be doing two SummerSlams. We haven't decided which two yet, um, but I have a Maybe pretty... Maybe some, some of our listeners maybe could uh, I, I, write to the 24-inch podcast. Yeah. I, I think we're definitely going to do 88. If anyone wants to help, we could maybe do... People could tell us what they might want to do for the second one. Because there's going to be so many Mega Power shows... And I kind of want Mega Powers to be our one-year anniversary, maybe. And, of course, uh, uh, 91 is an anniversary, being 2021. Right. That could also be something to think about. But uh, definitely 88, and then we'll decide on the second one. Uh, but here's what we got. First, quickly, plugs. Paula is standing by in the bullpen. She's anxious with emails. Uh, we have questions. We have the announcement about next year's next week's show. Uh, but first, quickly, don't forget to check out this episode and all episodes of the 24-inch podcast on our SoundCloud feed. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. Not only do you get this podcast, you also get the Sportscasters podcast. Most recently, talked to Mike Shope from WGR 550 and Pete Weber, a hockey broadcasting legend. He calls games for the Nashville Predators. On the next Sportscasters uh, that will go up on Monday, I have Jay Mariotti who was once a famous, famous sports writer, uh, was an early cancellation uh, and is kind of clawing his way back. I'm excited to talk to him, see what he's been up to since he had been out of TV and out of the public eye. And then also I'll talk to John Champion, the soccer announcer about the Euro uh, 2021, which should have been the Euro 2020, but postponed a year for COVID. The Euro 2016 is one of my first memories of having Paula. Um, I think the day she came home from the hospital was the first Italy match. And I just remember her rocking in the swing and and sleeping and me watching Italy soccer, which is really close to my heart. I don't think I've ever told it on this show. But in 1994, my great-grandmother and I watched Roberto Baggio kick the ball over the net in penalty kicks. And Italy lost to Brazil, the World Cup in the United States. And my grandmother was crying. And I said, well, Grandma, why are you crying? You don't like soccer. And she said, I'm a sad for Italy. And then in 2006, when Italy won the World Cup, right after the game, we went to my grandmother's grave. And I cried tears of joy for Italy and for my grandma. They finally avenged that loss. So I'm a huge, huge fan of Italian soccer. And they have a big tournament. And we talked to the main play-by-play guy of that tournament. As well, it's funny you said that the '94 World Cup, uh, you know, Carney, like we call it, Sopranos Town. Yeah, here on the show, it's Soccer Town, USA, and three guys from uh, Carney: Tony Miola, Tab Ramos, some other guy, uh, um, are from Carney, and they're you know they were they were playing, and they had a uh, big parade in Carney, you know, in the summer of '94, and they the Channel Nine interviewed me. I was there at my friend Chet. And they interviewed me on the street, but I was cutting a I was cutting a wrestling promo, and, you know, <laughs> like about row. the of the beach. You're like yeah, you're exactly. like a row, yeah. I was a little bit little older, older yeah, a little older, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Best of Beats 94 is coming, brother. Hogan Flair. But they edit it all out that I'm waiting for, you know, and I, I like Tony Miola. Of course, he's a, he's, a, he's a town, you know, legend. That's funny. You know, they, they edited it that I was talking about Tony Miola, but it was great. Uh, I actually had a job. I was in eighth grade. I had a job that summer. I was a dog license surveyor for the Board of Health. And they, um, they, I went into work the next morning. You know, it was summertime, so no school. Went to work the next morning. and Celebrity. Uh, they, they're playing a tape. Yeah, I'll never forget <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's at sports underscore casters on Twitter. Don't forget for the 24-inch podcast, we're at the number two, the number four-inch podcast on Twitter. Uh, two, four, underscore, inch, underscore podcast on Instagram. Search 24-inch podcast on Facebook for our public group. Uh, also, don't forget about greetings from Allentown, the great Peter Winston, who is in Boston Bruins mania right now as the Bruins and the Islanders are playing in the second round of the NHL playoffs. Uh, you can find his work at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. He just did a really great two-part episode on the very first Saturday night's main event. And just listened to that this afternoon, actually. And uh, also, GF Allentown Live, of course, is the show he does with Keithy. And they've done, what, WrestleFest 88. They did a uh, Goodfellas podcast recently. Sub- Suburban Commando. Suburban Commando. Great stuff over there. Uh, also, I was on the latest episode of the flagship podcast of the Place to Be Nation. And that episode covered the, what was it, Dave? 1992 house show. Yeah, Feb- February 92. February of 92, MSG. A uh, really great show, and I can't fully announce it because it's their announcement to make, but when the reboot project ends, and I'll tell you now, it ends in October, they are going to have a final show that will be hosted by one of the hosts of this podcast. So for Ooh. the first time ever, Justin and Scott won't be the hosts. They'll be the guests on the Place to Be Nation flagship show. And one of the hosts of this show will be the host. And we'll be doing a retrospective look at the entire project. And Remember, there's there's three hosts here on the 24-inch podcast, brother. It could be any three of us. Could be a hostess. Could be a hostess. Uh, anything else we need to plug? I don't think so. So let's move into what we have to do next, and that is emails. We're going to start with Dave. What do you got, buddy? Okay, I just brought this gentleman up early, earlier uh, for the 94 soccer parade in Kearney. The incomparable Chester Dzikowicz, uh hailing from the outer reaches of your mind. He just wanted to make a quick comment. The 20-man tag in the Survivor Series, he loved how all five heel teams had each one of the five heel managers manage one of the team, and they were all down there. Yeah, that that, that is pretty cool. But Incredible was, point. It, yeah, but it was Cascasse for Johnny V after that show. Paula and I just watched that match last night. Paula, remember the match you were watching with all the wrestlers around the ring? How many guys that were down there? <laughs> She's just laughing. She remembers it so much. Yeah, like, like I said earlier too, they're, they're messing. There, there were so many guys there. They were messing with the lighting above the ring during the, the whole match because they couldn't really. And they I guess they couldn't find a good way see. to shoot it. Yeah, they couldn't find a that's good way. What, to shoot I think it. that's what it was. You put it better than me. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's next? Thanks, Chat. Okay, good Mr. Jester Ziglis. Thank you so much. Then uh, a friend of yours, uh, Steve, I believe. Tim Mangione from um, yes was texting uh, with him today. What's up, Tim? Yeah, Hollywood, yeah. California, or Burbank, or podcast or producer Compton. Who knows where he's from? Yeah. The great Tim Mangione, podcast producer, Kiss Extraordinaire, OJ Simpson Extraordinaire, 
a lot of things extraordinary that I can't say on air. But um, Tim wanted to know, uh, Dave, Steve, why didn't Lex Luger get ever get a push in WWF or WCW? Okay, um, he got pushes. He got, yeah, right. I reject the premise of this question. Yeah. Stick to uh, podcast producing, Tim. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, I'll try to answer this quickly. In WWF, he got a, the push of his career, but it got derailed yeah. for some strange reason. I I don't know why. I I, I, I don't think it should have got derailed. I think they should have put the belt on him after the whole intrepid Lex Express. And if it didn't work, they could have taken it off of him. It just seemed like a whole big waste of money. Uh, I, I didn't, and then he just flattened out after that. If they if they want to do like the surprise aspect and not have him win the title at SummerSlam, he would have had to still win it in the next thirty days after that. The way they waited for the rematch, they blew know, that. Eight months, they, they blew, blew it, totally thing. blew yeah. it. Look, I think he was over with the bus and stuff. Well, why, give it a shot. Why not throw throw as much crap up against the wall as you can? I, I never, yeah, they, they I'll never that. understand that. Yeah. With then you. WCW, I'm not too into it before Hogan got there, but once Hogan was there, I think Lex was pushed very well there. He beat Hogan, Hollywood Hogan for a championship on one of the biggest nitros in Auburn Hills, Michigan, August of 97. Um, you know, then he, he was always a, a, a top guy, you know, featured featured on top. So, uh, Tim, I, you know, that's that's my opinion on that, Steve. I'm with you. I think you're right. That's it. Yep. I think I said it all. All right. <laughs> What's next? Okay, and the last one is from our biggest fan, this man, Kevin Hogan from Nutley, New Jersey. He cannot wait for the two weeks to go up for the next 24-inch podcast. He's texting me a week later, week and a half later. You're recording tonight? You're recording tonight? God and bless I gotta you, say, Kevin. Yeah, I love you for that. Paula, I, I can't believe it. Why don't you sing a song of appreciation for Kevin? Then I Sing. Would... Say thank you, Kevin. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Come on. You got a beautiful singing voice. Show the people. <laughs> I only to do that when I'm this home. Okay. Here, how about how this? About... How about this? Rank <laughs> these three singers. Okay, one Wolfie, two David Lee Roth, three Sammy Hagar. Uh, who's one? Who's two? And who's three? I don't know. I don't know Daniel Hagar because you don't. I don't even listen to that. What? You don't even listen to that. Come on! All you do is listen to Van Halen. They're the two Van Halen singers. Oh. You nut? <laughs> All right. So, here, let, me, let me ask it. Gonna... Let me ask it a better way. Okay. Wolfie. Okay. The singer of Jump. The singer of dreams. Okay. All right. Rank of one, two, and three. That's the um, singer. Yeah, Wolfie is the singer in Wolfie's band. Yep. Yeah. So you and got him at one. Van Halen is the guitar player, and um. This isn't going well. All right. Uh, what do you get? What's the last one from? Uh, Imagine Kevin? if she just blurted out Gary Sharon. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. What's Kevin's question? <laughs> Kevin. What else? Got something for you for the podcast. Steve, congratulations on a Sports Illustrated oh, article. Oh, thank you, Kevin. A dream come true. I gave it a look. It's a good read. A good read is one of his uh, famous sayings, Kevin Hogan's. On to my question. Looking back, I don't remember a Hulk Hogan, Bam Bam, Bigelow feud. Am I wrong? If not, why don't you think we got one? Well, Mr. Kevin, we talked a lot about this uh, during the show, but we'll hit the nail on the head one more time for you. Yeah. Um, Bam Bam was, he, the way he came in, the battle for Bam Bam every week on Superstars with one manager getting eliminated and finally him introducing Sir Oliver Humpering coming into the WWF as a face manager. He was just skyrocketed immediately as, as a top guy. And the, the, the position he was in at, at Survivor Series, pinning Bundy, pinning the gang, hanging in there. Nobody pins two of those guys being three-on-one with Andre being the third member of the team. Uh, of the trio you know, that was left in the match. 
it's just unbelievable. I believe, this is my opinion only, that he was being considered for the role that Savage got at WrestleMania 4 winning, winning the championship in that tournament. He just but wasn't there I, long enough, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. He just his, wasn't a, his attitude yep. wasn't wasn't correct either. And I thought that maybe um, before he left, he, they were grooming him to, to turn heel. But the, he had just left, and the boss man came in immediately and feuded with Hogan. Yep. So maybe we're onto something. Wasn't there. there long enough? If you'd have been there longer, yeah. it would have happened for sure. All right, uh, one more on the um, the uh, Facebook group page. Search Facebook. 24-inch podcast, you'll find it's public. Uh, Jay Arsenio D'Amato, one of our favorites. A great man. Good man. Good man. Good podcast listener. Good friend of mine. Um, New Yorker. A New Yorker, yep. Another Italian. He has a picture here of the... Of the, Ita- of the uh, Macho Man's team in the show tonight, which, of course, is Macho, Steamboat, Jake, Beefer... Hacksaw with Elizabeth there. And he just says, greatest Survivor Series 1-5 to ever? Question mark. What do you think, Dave? Okay, so greatest Survivor Series team from the first five Survivor Series. Yep. Uh, I'm going to have a 1A and a 1B. No, no, no. I don't think he means the first five Survivor Series. I think he means depth-wise. From 1-5, to five, is this the best team? Oh. Uh, o- uh, almost like a pitching rotation. No, I don't. I think it's definitely one of the best, but uh, but maybe my third favorite team. I have two others uh, that are ahead of them. Okay. It's number one for me, um, but I'm just such a huge Steamboat guy. Um, but the depth, like, so here's the thing. So if, if you rank them, you'd do Savage 1, Steamboat 2, Jake 3, Brutus 4, Duggan 5. And if you look at the time, I don't know if you they're, – they're all – you basically have the – Number two face. You maybe have the top. You maybe have two through five face. Two through six faces. The five biggest in the in the thing besides Hogan. Well, Steamboat was just. Uh, he did some shows here and there, but he was pretty much just returning. Yeah, in November Steamboat from the maybe from the debacle. Even, Steamboat is maybe even fifth here in terms only because of, of the time period. Because of, the, of his time off, but I think it's a really deep team. Like if this was a pitching staff, you got four twenty game winners, and your number five guy has like a a two point six ERA. So I would say, in terms of just depth, which I think is what he means, I would say yes. Yeah, the only two teams I, I prefer. I'm not going to get into why. I'm just going to say it because I mentioned it. Okay. Is Andre's Andre's team on this card, which, which is we great. Talked about. Yep. Which is and great. And then uh, a team that didn't fare too well for themselves, but on paper, it just looks like wow. It's Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake, Roberts, and Demolition from Survivor Series 89. That is a good team. All right. Paula Marie. Mm-hmm. Peanuts. What? What kind of emails you got today, baby? And I want you to speak nice and straight into that microphone so the people can hear you. The people have been waiting all night for Paula. I get emails, texts. We want Paula. We want more Paula. Paula Mania is running wild. Oh, I got a new time. name. The, peep, the People's Podcaster, Paula The Mania. People's Podcaster, Paula. What do you got, baby? Uh, right into that microphone. Uh, first of all, I have a question. Okay. Do you want this to show today? What about Dave? I don't want to tell it to Dave. You okay. remember what happened today? Okay, uh, go ahead. Tell well, Dave. Uh, you don't want to talk to me. That's not the first lady that said that uh, to me. She wants to tell you a story. Last. Go ahead. Tell Dave. Oh, you're telling me a story. Okay. 
Our pharmacist didn't have any stickers again. Oh, no. Our pharmacist could not find her stickers that she gives Paula. So she's going to get a special stack of stickers that are only for Paula. All right. I had some relationships with pharmacists in my day, brother. That's how anymore. That's how loved she is at the Rite Aid on Niagara Falls Boulevard in Amherst, New York. That was very, that was very nice of them. I yep. think they give you like they used to give you a lollipop back in the day at the bank. Yep, she gives you stickers know? and she tried to give Paula some today and they're missing. All right, Paula, uh, you got any emails? Yeah. All right, let's What's hear it. From uh, Ellie. From your friend Ellie. Jill's daughter. Our wife's my wife's <laughs> best woman or what do they call it? Maid of honor. Maid of honor. Her daughter. Okay, what do you got from her? I'm surprised to hear her checking in here, but let's see what she's got. When they did the Royal Rumble in the Snick Snacks. Yeah, she's a Royal Rumble watcher, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. They were all mixed up. They were mixed up? Okay. Yeah, because they were mixed up because remember Andre was there? Yep. And was it Mean Andre? It was Mean Andre, yep. Roddy Piper and his boss was there? Roddy Piper's boss? No, the boss that was, you know. Big boss man? The ace? Come on, Allie, get your facts straight on this. What is Allie trying to ask us? I forgot the name. Okay, just ask the question. What's the question? He said the guy with the... The, the guy that was... Captain Lou? No. No. Bobby Andre. Heenan? Oh, Weasel Breath. Yeah, Weasel Breath. Of course, the weasel. The brain. The brain, Bobby Heenan. Yeah. He he was right there. He saw him on, like... He might have, like, looked down and he saw... Oh. Dave's fixing himself a drink or peeing. Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I'm not Kevin Sullivan. I'm not the taskmaster of the exactly 24th podcast. And, then, and he saw Whitey Piper. Yep. Under here. And he was watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so does Allie have a question or was she just making a comment? She's just making a comment. Okay. What's your next one? Uh, that was a good one. Thanks, Allie, for reaching out. Thanks, Allie. Uh, yep. Allie with an I. It is with an I. <laughs> What up? What up, baby? Mommy? Mommy. I know her. She said. Knew her real, real, real intimately last night. What? She said mm. that when, when Wiki Demo got his throat. Yeah, when he got his throat hurt on Superstars. Oh, yeah, I remember that. November 22nd, yeah. 1986. Yeah. Remember when he, yes, like, when they prayed each other and then they come back together? Yeah. Um, she wanted to know when they... Happened to become the daughter. I know it's hard, but you can figure it out. Okay, so what she's asking here, because and this is a timely question, of course, with Steamboat and Savage being on the team together. Mm-hmm. And Paul and I had this debate as well, and it must have trickled down to Tammy, our, our mom and wife in the house. What happened that they became friends again? Because in November of 86, Hogan or er, um, Savage smashes Steamboat's throat. And here we are in 87... November, so in only one year, and they're friends. How did they come together? What do you think, Dave? It's a good question, well, my mom. Yeah, 87. Yeah, good question, Tammy. 87 had a crazy amount of face turns. If you think about it, Jake, Savage, Patera, uh, you, Morocco, you just go down the line. And, um, and here, you know, here's another case. Uh, they, they, I think it was their dual hatred for the honky tonk man and okay. the way he was, he was misusing the intercontinental title, you know, that's in kayfabe. 
and, and they did on Superstars on a platform interview with the team. They kind of acknowledge it when Savage is talking to each guy. Vaguely acknowledge it. You know, not really. We got a similar thing with Hogan and Orndorff in, in, in the main event match that we just covered. Um, yeah, I remember as a kid actually it being bo- like... It bothered me as a kid. Yeah, I was being really thrown angry. off for the first time. Yeah, I was really first. angry that Steamboat would forgive him because in my and, mind, Savage almost killed him. Correct. And that, also, to a little bit of a lesser degree, Hogan Orndorff. That's a, it great, just happened. a great question by Mom. Uh, awesome. I'm going to have answer. to thank her. You got an answer? Go ahead, Paul. What do you think? I think that what happened was Macho Man said... Please, this be on my game. I need you to. And he and he said yes. So he made it to that. So you think Macho just went to him? How do you refer to it? His gang? Yeah. I like that. His, um, I like that. I kind of like saying Yeah. Like, Maybe, uh. Cobra Kai is like a little gang. Yeah, like gang. Cobra Kai's a gang, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or Paula, maybe, maybe Elizabeth talked to Steamboat and said, hey, listen, you know, we we're sorry and everything. Yeah. Coming from her, maybe he accepted it. Maybe Miss Elizabeth she's called nice. Mrs. Steamboat. Could be. Yeah, because remember Bonnie. when the, yeah, Bonnie the match, he, she said everything that happened. Yeah, and, when she was telling Mean Jean on the couch. Yeah. Yep. Man, this girl's memory is like sharp as a tack. Excellent. Yeah. Anything else, baby? Nope. All right, well, here's the thing before we go. We got to do this quickly. Because okay. this segment's been a long one. And you got to go to sleep. Oh, I, I do? Oh, no, not Paula. <laughs> yeah, Paula. Oh, okay. Vince McMahon had called us earlier, Paula. And he said, Dave and Steve, I'm in a bind. He's like, I, I need three matches. I need a curtain jerker, a second match, and a main event for a house show in Topeka, Kansas this weekend. Who's your best booker? So we asked online, and everyone said Paula is our best booker. So Vince McMahon needs three matches from you and no repeat wrestlers. No one can wrestle twice. Okay. All right, so you need a curtain jerker, second match, and a main event. Let's start with your curtain jerker. Both of you guys have to do it. Okay. So get ready, Dave, with a card. <laughs> she wants you okay. to do it, too. Okay, so the first one is Macho Man and Savage yep. versus Macho Man. He's wrestling himself. No, they're like, wrestling. Is it Macho King versus Macho Man? guys and uh, five guys. Why don't you just keep it simple? Who, who do you want Macho Man to wrestle? Well, he can't wrestle himself. This isn't uh, Double Dragon okay. <laughs> or Mortal Kombat or whatever. Who do you want Macho Man to, to wrestle this night in Topeka, Steamboat. Kansas? Steamboat. Steamboat versus Savage. Is it for the belt? And who has the belt? Macho Man. Macho Man has the belt. Steamboat's a challenger. Is anyone in Steamboat's corner? No one in his corner. Okay. Is Elizabeth in Randy's corner? You got to say yes or no. People can't see your head. Okay. All right. What's your second match? That's a good curtain jerker. A WrestleMania three rematch. I got a good one. All right. What do you got? A six man man match. Okay. So three on three. What's the first gang? The first gang is. Three guys. Who do you got? Hmm. Is it the good team or the bad team? What do you want to start with? Bad team. The bad team. How about. I know one of your favorite heels to watch, Jake the Snake with his snake. How about him on a team? Snakes! Snakes! No? All right, give me three guys. Who are your three bad guys you want? I want... Bad Andre? Yep. 
Okay, bad Andre, mean Andre. Yeah. Okay, who else? He's the boss. He's the boss. He's the main guy. Yeah. Who else is on his team? Who's another bad guy? You got to speak into that microphone. Who's another bad guy? How about Ravishing Rick Rude? Oh, yeah, he's a bad guy. He's in love. And he tries to steal my wife. Yeah. All right, Whoa. and then how about Haku? All right, so you got Mean Andre, Haku, and Rick Rude, all Heenan family members. Mm -hmm. So Bobby's on the outside. Uh And they're going to wrestle what three good guys? Talk into that microphone. You have not done Hulk. Hulk. Okay, you see the the captain of the gang? Uh Okay, and who are his two friends? Um, How about the guy he gave boots to? Who's that? Mm, I forgot. No, you didn't. Don't go messing with Country Boy. Country Boy? Who's that? <laughs> Hillbilly. Jim. Hillbilly Jim. Mm-hmm. And then who's your third guy? Who else is a good? F- oh, I know someone that could be a good guy. Who's Hulk's best friend in the whole world? From our favorite TV show. You took the show. You took the show. No, you took the show. No, you took the show. Who's that? <laughs> Mr. T. <laughs> All right, so Mr. T, Hulk Hogan, and Hillbilly Jim versus Rude, um, Rick Rude, Andre the Giant, and Haku. All right, what's it's like your perfect 1985 versus 1989? What's right your there? main perfect. event? How about a tag team title match? <gasps> yeah. In the main event, what do you got? No Danny Davis matches. No Danny Davis. He's out. Oh. He's banned from the building. What's your main event? It's gonna be the Heart Foundation. Yep, the Heart Colonel. Foundation no without Colonel. the Colonel band too. Yeah. So they got to come to the ring by themselves. No bosses. Yeah. <laughs> a no bosses match. Versus Axe and Smash. Demolition? They can have their boss. They can have their boss? Yeah, because... Who is their boss? Um, Very devious. Very devious. Yeah, who's that? Uh, boy, son. I don't want to Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji. All right, great card, Paula. That's going to be awesome. Special treat for I the like people it. in Kansas. What do you got, Dave? Quickly. Okay, quickly, I'm going to go from all my three questions from my emails. Okay. First main events for Kevin Hogan. We got Hulk Hogan defending the title against Bam Bam Bigelow. Okay. Then for Tim, how about we do Lex Luger going over Yokozuna. Okay. Then finally, Chester Zickowitz, how about Bobby the Weasel Heenan against the Ultimate Warrior in a weasel suit match. All right, I'm going to do my favorite event of all time rematches. So I'm going to do WrestleMania three rematches. The first one is going to be the mixed tag. Hillbilly Jim and his little guys versus Bundy and his little guys. Uh, Then I'm going to have the rematch of the full Nelson match. Billy Jerk Haynes versus Hercules in a battle of the full Nelson. And then in the main event, a rematch of the greatest match of all time. Ricky Steep versus Macho Man Randy Savage for the Intercontinental title. Boom! All right, Dave, what are we doing next week? And then we got to get out of here. Next week, uh, I can't wait for it. It's very, very exciting. It's something different we've never done here before on a 24-inch podcast. 
We're going to take a look. We're going to go over to the USA Network for the first time and primetime wrestling. This is one of the rare ones that Can't feature wait. a Hulkster match. Can't wait. And now, don't, don't the Hulkster's opponent this night, you know, might not be on a level of a Mr. Wonderful or a Randy Savage, but we got big Boris Zukov yep. from the Soviet Union taking on the Hulkster in May 1988. Gorilla and Bobby primetime. Our first show from the year 1988. Can't wait. And we're going to be covering the whole prime time, not just Hogan and Boris. Of course. You know, that, that's just kind of our headline for, for it, for a Hulk match. We grow everything Gorilla and Bobby talk about, all the matches, all the update segments. It'll all be here. Maybe even some commercials. Let's see. All right. From Paula Bennett, Dave Rollins, Steve Bennett, I ask you only a few things. I ask the listeners only for a few things between now and that glorious show set in 1988 for the next time I ask you to say your prayers take your vitamins and tell your friends about the 24 inch podcast brother